Hey buddies, thank you so much for clicking on this episode and giving it a chance. If you are new here, I especially thank you for giving this a chance for your viewing pleasure or listening pleasure. So today's episode, I speak with Paul Caldwell. My first time running into him was at the gym at Vaza Fitness or Vaza Fitness, whatever your prudeness is. And he really just drew my eye with his physique and the way he looked and the way he carried himself. And I always wanted to interest and ask him questions. So I started doing so. And then the more and more I found out about him, I said, this is an interesting guy. I'd love to get to know more about him because I'm sure that there is. And there definitely is. So in this episode, you're going to find out a lot of stuff about him that even I didn't even know prior to this episode. So I really enjoyed talking with him and getting to know him more. And I hope to have him on again for a second episode. If you are new here, welcome once again. I do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. So if you do enjoy this episode and you want to listen to more stuff like this, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit that like button as well, and leave a comment down at the bottom of whatever you liked most. So without further ado, I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule. Oh yeah, Paul. so busy, busy, busy all the time. Yeah, man. <laughs> I really appreciate it, but so I'm glad that we're finally able to do this. So go ahead and explain to the listeners here on more with Stumpo of who you are. I'm Paul Caldwell. I uh, born and raised here in Indiana, small town Morristown, Indiana. Thousand people. Grew up on a farm. Do a lot of uh, fitness related things at this point, uh, which is fun because I it's not really my field, mm -hmm. but um, that's where life has led me now and has led me here to this podcast at this point. Oh yeah, this is where this is the highlight of your life, isn't it? It is. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a great experience. I'm like so I'm really good, excited man. to be here. Like I said, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Well, good. Well, I'll go ahead and explain, you know, obviously everyone else who already knows who I am, you know, I'm Matt Stumpo. This is my little podcast, More with Stumpo. And thank you guys so much for tuning in on it too. Um, but I met Paul at the gym. Mm -hmm. I met you there. Uh, you're a you were a trainer there still. More or less, um, I said membership specialist, what they call it. So a lot of front desk stuff, but you know, things that you put on your resume to make it look better, that's but it's exactly, not that fancy. It's going to exactly make it look a lot better. So, <laughs> um, that's how I met you, man. And mm -hmm. you just, you have a, a distinct frame to you that I find pretty astonishing. And I always love talking to people that have uh, the drive at the gym and mm -hmm. the determination and discipline to continue to keep going. Mm -hmm. And then the more I've learned about you, the more interesting I've found you to be. Oh. So what I found super interesting about you was mm -hmm. that you talked about being a vegetarian. Yeah. Which yeah. I've honestly, dude, I've yeah. never met a vegetarian that looked healthy. <laughs> that's that's the weirdest thing. So like, yeah, yeah, that really took me off guard when you said that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's not, especially in you know whether it be bodybuilding, um, powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, whatever kind of discipline you are at the gym, or if it's just functional fitness, there's not really a lot of people that mm -hmm. are vegetarian, you know, because forever you know you're kind of like thinking you know like if i'm gonna put on muscle i need to have protein and it's still true that like the most like protein dense sources do come from from like meat right I'm not gonna feud that at all um but there is truth that like i said you if you don't want to eat meat for whatever reason you don't like i said you, you like i said preference or just how how you feel sometimes it's the religious thing some religions don't eat meat and um so it really depends on you but if you like I said, don't eat meat. There's there's ways to work around that, right? Um, it takes a little bit more effort, especially at the beginning. But then after you've done it for so long, you just you know like it comes second nature, and it's it's not that hard anymore. So, what was your reasoning to not eat meat? So I um so while I do fitness things, 
right. My background and my, I have, I have two bachelor degrees and I have a master's degree. So, um, my bachelor's degrees are in, um, international studies with a thematic concentration on diplomacy, security, and governance. It's a mouthful. Both these I got from IU as well, Indiana university. The second one just being in French language studies. And then I went on to study at the international university in Geneva and I got a master's in, um, international relations and diplomacy just for a quick background. Um, so one of my classes was wow. actually environmental policy, right? Mm-hmm. Where I had this, this professor, uh, he's actually from, uh, the Netherlands came in and he works with a lot of companies and stuff about like reducing emissions and like CO2 levels and stuff. And, um, it really came down to like, you know, when we were looking at the data about, about meat mm-hmm. it was, and it wasn't so much like I've never been like a moralist kind of vegetarian or uh, you know, like I grew up hunting you know mm-hmm. and like you know white-tailed deer you know and like I love summer sausage and everything like that but I also grew up on a farm kind of mentality where it was you know like whatever you kill you know like you use right yes and you know like you you you, you know I said you don't ever disrespect anything in the process um, but that's the background, but back to what I was talking about is it was just that meat in itself, especially red meat was inefficient. It was just kind of came down to this efficiency thing, right? Like what the resources that go in to produce red meat with like, if you break it down to just like clearing uh, land, so they for cattle, how much water goes into the process of like, you know, like creating just one pound of, of meat, um, that there's a lot of energy lost in all of that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, I never really thought about it like that, right? That there's, like, it's inefficient in a way to where, like, a lot of protein come from more plant-based or, like, dairy or egg sources are, are more efficient. The, the efficiency is not, like, perfect, right? Because there's always going to be energy lost in any process. But they're more efficient. I was like, so I played with the idea. I was li- I was living in Geneva, Switzerland also at the time, which is really expensive like it's about <laughs> i don't it's recommend there, anybody yes. like i said to go on a student visa <laughs> there because you can't work for one so you can't make money and it's really expensive so like everything that i had like saved up i like, kind of went out the window but what had happened was over the time that i was there i had just started eating meat less because it was so expensive um, I remember like two chicken breasts was like nine, 10 bucks oh, wow. and being like a 220 pound, you know, male, like I, I need a lot of protein to even just like to maintain, especially with the activity level I was doing. <clears throat> so I was looking for alternatives that were cheaper in a way too, just so I wasn't you know, bleeding money so fast. And so that, and then just learning about the general inefficiencies, I was like, and then I remember I also watched the, um, the Game Changers was like a documentary that they put on Netflix where they kind of picked and chose a lot of the data points. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't really have a big impact on my decision because I was like, they're picking and choosing their arguments a little bit too much for plant-based. Which happens quite often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah their, their methodology I don't think was yeah. very sound. Um, so th- like I said, I did watch it, but that wasn't really a big <laughs> reason. I was just like, eh, I mean, you could do it, I guess. But I, like I said, this is kind of a little bit far-fetched in some ways. So I just like the next day I was and I was talking to my girlfriend um, about it. I was like, I'm just going to try it. You know, like I'm going to like try it. It was never that I'm going to be vegetarian either. Right. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was more about like, I'm going to reduce my consumption of meat. And it's always been that actually, it just so happens that I haven't ate meat for the last three years. I was always like, if I crave meat and I want to eat it, I will. Right. Mm-hmm. I just want to reduce my consumption. And 
I, I would say like for the first couple months, I was like, nah, I, I don't know, maybe it'd be nice. Like if I was in the US, I, I really create a spicy chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. Right. Okay. Yeah, I get that one. That but I didn't sense? have access to one, so it didn't matter, <laughs> you know. <laughs> or wings. I was I still wanted wings, but wings isn't really the same kind of concept in Europe. Mm-hmm. So I was like, the things I actually am craving right now, I don't even have access to, and then the rest of the meat, I'm just I don't really want to pay money for it and buy it. So it was like you know, months went by, didn't have meat, and it just kept going. I just wasn't eating meat, and then. And then some truth, like at first too, even when I came back to the U.S., you know, it was like all during COVID and everything back in 2020, um, I came back and I could still eat things that my mom would cook. She would cook for me sometimes and she would cook, you know, like um, a meatloaf or something and they have like always like carrots and potatoes on the side, right? And even at that point, I could eat those and nothing would be wrong. But it is true that as it, the longer you go from eating meat, the more you kind of like get nauseated by that even yeah. to where like if I eat something like that or something has, I'll still have like, I got, I had a French onion soup not too long ago and it was made with beef broth. And I was like, I just really want, you know, your French onion soup. And a lot of vegetarians will like probably say like, well, you're not a vegetarian because you had that. And that's fine. You know, cause like if that's like, I don't, I say if I don't belong because of that, that's fine. But like, I was like, I want this and it's broth that's my concept of, you know, being quote unquote, a vegetarian isn't based upon that. It's always about, been about reducing my consumption. And so I had, to, I, I had it right. And, um, cause there's all these levels to vegetarianism. There's like, there's levels to veganism, you know, some vegans, you know, cause you're not having any kind of, um, you're not having any animal like meats, but you're also not having any animal byproducts. Some pe- but some vegans might be okay with having honey, some vegans are not okay with having honey. So that's not veganism because bees create honey, right? Mm-hmm. So there's always circles within circles within circles. So I'm probably not a great vegetarian by some people's standards because if I have something with broth in it, it's, you know, so it's made kind of with some animal product in it. Um, but that's not what it is about for me. It's always been about, yeah, reducing the consumption of meat and its products to help kind of lower the just and it's almost like when you think about it on a large scale, it's like it's just like it's kind of pissing in a, pissing into the wind because it's probably not making that big of a difference, but it's just something that I wanted to try and I just kind of stuck with. And in a way, I also f- kind of feel better. Um, not like like I said, it's not a morally better thing. You think the placebo effect of being able to make the change from having the idea of you're lowering your consumption, mm-hmm. which in in the long run, let's say you would eat possibly about, let's say how many how many pounds of meat do you think a person eats a year? I mean, I know I eat two. It feels like two or three pounds a day. Yeah, but I mean, I let's say a couple hundred pounds. Let's say oh, yeah. five hundred pounds a yeah. year. So over a long period of time, you're you're losing out on ten, tens of thousands of pounds, mm. which is quite a few cattle. Yeah. So I mean, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I actually somewhat honor what you're talking about. Like, yeah. I, I do agree with actually some of the things that you're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't eat just like I don't eat certain brands because mm-hmm. I know how they treat the animal. And that's that was going to be my the next issue point. That I have, is, mm-hmm. and I agree with you, and I agree with a lot of uh, people who are vegans and vegetarians is how they treat the animals. Mm-hmm. There's a lady, um, I can't remember her name. I'll find out what her name is while you're talking. But mm-hmm. she's this woman who has got, I believe, got Aspergers, and mm-hmm. she knew how. She was raised on a cattle farm. Mm-hmm. And the way the cattle that she worked at another company were getting treated was horrible. Mm-hmm. And the cows were stressed and they were scared and then they would mm-hmm. get killed. Mm-hmm. And it, it does a lot to the meat. It actually it does. taints the meat. Yeah. 
So she created a way of how to kill them humanely while they're stress-free, mm-hmm. relaxed. Yeah. And then they're they're uh, humanely killed for consumption for everybody else. Yeah. Which I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Like if they're 100%. mistreated and all that stuff, that makes me sick. And I like I won't eat Tyson meats. I mm-hmm. will not eat Tyson meats. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically try to stay like closer towards like local farms around here. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more expensive. Yeah. But I do know that they're treated a lot better. Yeah. So yeah, sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. This is your podcast, sir. Like I said, I'm, <laughs> you I'm, I'm just a guest here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it, and that's like I said, that's a whole nother point too. Like, you know, like all your uh, listeners, like buy local. Like, you know, if you're going to yeah. buy, if you're going to buy anything like meat wise, like support your local farm, support your, like I said, your local community, buy local. Cause there's, like I said, there's some cattle farmer that's going to be, especially here in, in rural Indiana, I guess we're like, we're not in rural Indiana here, but I'm from yeah. yeah. You're from rural. Indiana. I'm from rural Indiana. I'll, I'll pretend like I am. Yeah, I, I live here in Whiteland. Yeah, right? yeah. I said, <laughs> yeah. So buy buy local, like so support local families, and buy that. If you're gonna like buy your meat, do that. And plus, you'll get like chances are like it's it's better to just go like even with your family, like you know your extended family. Okay, sorry. Okay. So much I just wanted to see your face. Yeah. Oh. I don't know if they want to see that though, but we'll see. No, but you got to shave that, that little beard you got going. <laughs> Dude, I got the same thing going mm. too. I mean, you can barely see my yours looks. Yours is better trimmed right now. Uh, I can't. Is it growing red? It does. Mine like the longer it grows, the redder it grows, which is Mine. something else we could talk about. That's frustrating to my life, but we'll talk. We'll about get that. there. Yeah. Um, but. Go get like I said, talk to your extended family. Like go get you know go in on a half a like half a cow or something mm-hmm. and like split it up and put it in your freezer. It will last for a long time, and it's like better. You'll use the cow and you'll use it. Yeah, like and it'll be better quality. It'll taste mm-hmm. better. You know, and this is got coming from the vegetarian guy. Like mm-hmm. do that. Like I said, you'll be a lot happier with the process and like you'll give back to your community because mm-hmm. you're 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 supporting your local like I said farmers rather than you know going to some kind of large conglomerate that could care less about you mm-hmm. couldn't care less sorry correct um and that treat their animals like shit yeah don't treat their animals right. like shit because that's that's another thing is like it's the immoral kind of like think about you know like okay a chicken doesn't have a lot going up up on upstairs right no. But that doesn't matter. Like, it's not like it's a from a moral standpoint. This is where I do get kind of like moralistic about it is that to think of, you know, living and dying in a cage, like if anything that's alive, you know, like it, it's it's sad, right? You know, like, and that's why it was nice getting to grow up on a farm. Like, we raised chickens, we raised legit free range chickens. Yeah, yeah. Not like free ranges in like they have a certain circumference of area they can walk in. No, like exactly. Because that's and that's the thing that's is like, like that's a way they trick you. Look at that. the asterisk and yeah. see what free range means <laughs> on the product you're buying because it's not always the same across the board. I mean, it is this like all of the definitions will be the same, but you'll be surprised sometimes that what you think is actually Free range is very limited in itself, which still free range by its definition of whatever the actual um, nomenclature and the definition that they give is probably going to be better than not being free range. But how much better? You could ask yourself as well. Um, but no, um, having been able to raise, like I said, chickens, pheasants, mm-hmm. goats for a little bit, I said and my, my family is very much in the... I'm beef cattle industry. I'm not lobbying for them here. Like I said, we're not really affiliated <laughs> anymore. Um, but you know, like you, you feel much more in touch and that's something that I feel like a lot of people that are meat eaters need to like experience in their lifetime at some point. I've, I've killed chickens with my, my hands. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? And like, so I was a part of the process 
of like, you know, like I took that thing's life and the, the least that I could have done was to make sure to eat it. Cause like there's so much food waste too. We could get into mm-hmm. that is like, uh, it's something that makes me upset too, because it's like, you know, that animal like died at least eat it. Right. Mm-hmm. And where people will be like, Oh, you know, like they get on their high horse about like, uh, they'll still buy meat at the supermarket, but the, they get mad about people that are hunters or something. I'm like, if you anything, it's, it's, yeah. it's the exact opposite. Yeah, it's like the hunter is more in touch with like the you know the price mm-hmm. that's paid by the animal in order like to eat it versus you that like says feel like you're clean and sterile from the whole rest of the um, the process because your hands aren't bloody doing the work. Someone's yeah, but you're hand. still consuming that animal. You know, it's just like don't get on the high horse about people that hunt if you're going to go buy the stuff at the supermarket anyway. Yeah. When the hunter is probably being more respectful yes. in the way to the animal because they're probably going to be yes. making the most use of it. Correct. Not all hunters are the same either, well, but most is. hunters that I've talked. By the way, that lady's name with Aspergers, it was Temple Grandin, was the lady's name. So like, I like if anyone's interested in that, I would definitely look her up. Let me fix that. Good Lord, that's a little bit better. Um, <laughs> I would definitely look her up. Her story's interesting. There's a movie about her. Um, but the hunters that I've met are mm. like conservationists. Like they mm-hmm. they love nature. Now, they may go about it a different way. They might be a little bit more passionate the way they say things and more, mm. in, more um, brash when they say it. But when mm. you sit down and talk with somebody who's a hunter who truly cares about it, they truly care about that animal. Mm-hmm. Like anything that's worse than not getting an animal when mm-hmm. not killing one is grazing one or injuring one. And you knowing that he's still alive or that she's still, he's still alive out mm-hmm. there. That animal's still alive and mm-hmm. suffering right now. Like that's from the hunters I've listened to. Like that's one of the worst nightmares that they can have is because mm-hmm. now that animal's suffering. Yeah. And they want to make it a quick death and they want to as painless as possible, they right? Want to be as painless as possible. And I know like a lot of people will be like, Oh, you're still shooting it. But it's just like, there is a lot of difference between a, like I said, when you're, when you're uh, raised to, like I said, as a, like to hunt or whatever, and you do it, and you, like I said, all of my deer hunters out there could probably agree with me. Like I said, you're always shooting for right back here, mm-hmm. right? Because it should have the lungs and the heart all in line. So if you shoot right behind that first that first leg, mm-hmm. and you, like I said, you get a clean shot, it, they should die pretty much instantly. You know, there and then rather than like if you gut shot them or something like that, then. It's gonna be, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a slow death. Very slow, and you gotta go hunt them. You gotta go chase them down, and that means they might get tore apart. And also, what people don't remember too is you watch like any type of like animal documentary. Mm. Animals tear each other apart while they're alive. Like mm. predators will eat you alive. Bears, lions, like all all those types of animals will kill. Not just the most healthiest animal. They won't kill the healthiest. They always kill the like, the youngest, the mm. smallest, or the sickest. Yeah, or the or the oldest. Yeah. The and most it's, it's vulnerable, a, the most vulnerable, and it's not an easy death for them. No, like you were, you were probably saving them from an, because every animal dies. Yeah, every every mm-hmm. animal out there will die. Mm-hmm. Most likely, it'll die from old age, or it's died from sickness, or it's going to get murdered by another animal or in you, a slow death, or, or potentially by a starving, or starving. Yeah, yeah. By, or by a hunter who wants to make it a quick, painless death. Yeah. Because there is always the you know the conservationist argument of like overpopulation yeah. as well. So yeah. and you do have like some some species that over overpopulate mm. and like you just talked about overpopulate and then they damage either farms around the area, which are local farms around the mm. area. They can damage them. Uh, you you look at the pigs out in Texas, like they have completely overrun Texas, and mm. they have those. Uh, you can rent, you could pay. I think it's like five thousand or ten thousand dollars to do a helicopter ride and shoot 
pigs down or yeah. boar, wild boar out there because they they'll kill small animals like dogs they'll mm. kill uh, like they've been known to attack people and kids and stuff mm. like that and they get into the neighborhoods and they terrorize everything they oh just yeah cause disease and, uh-huh. and there's just some things that are just you know well, I, I think another good example is the uh, Burmese python in Florida. I believe it's a Burmese python. Like, so somebody can correct me on yeah. that if I'm. But I think I believe it's a Burmese python. Like where it was, it's not a non-native um, animal in Florida, and so and it's got really no natural. Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the comp like I said, nothing is like the Burmese python. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, Burmese python. Uh, it's got no natural predators, I suppose I would say. In so it's just flourishing. Down, it's down flourishing there. is you know because there's nothing that's really like I said. Oh, like I said, obviously you got mm-hmm. things that could kill it, but nothing that is naturally pitted against it for you know thousands of years. And so it yeah, it's overpopulating. And it's, it's I mean spreading. Species. It's invasive species. That's yeah. the term I needed to use. So it's got a lot of it's got a lot of prey. It doesn't have any predators. Yeah. So it, as a result, um, like I said their populations are booming, and it's a big problem because it's naturally taking out a lot of the indigenous um, species that are already in Florida that yeah. are its prey that it can you know. That's another like thing issue is just ah, the invasive <laughs> invasive species. So they, can they get brought over? Like you look at, I mean, even historically, animals they get brought over over country, like mm. from one country to another, and they bring like rats came here from Great Britain mm. uh, or the UK. They get Great Britain UK. It could it's be the, it could same, be both. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah. They both talk weird. Mm. Uh, they all got mush mouth. Mm. Uh, but <laughs> they came over like they came over and brought a ton of animals, like rats and chickens and stuff like that. And it caused mm. it brought disease, like especially when uh, the first uh, colonial people came here. They brought smallpox, which biological warfare wasn't smallpox really, blankets. Yeah, yeah, the smallpox blankets. Mm. It's like it wasn't biological warfare that they they knew they were starting, but mm. like it's just disease that people weren't. You know, there's indigenous tribes right now that if we go up, I give them a hug and I cough, like they'll mm. probably die because they've just. They, they were just exposed to something they never been exposed to. Mm-hmm. So, um, back to your vegetarian lifestyle. Which, mm-hmm. what has been a really good substitute for your protein source for you? Um, so I'm lacto ovo, which just means that I still, I still like will have dairy products okay. and egg products. Um, so most of the times I, that's where I, I will replace because it's a more complete protein Mm -hmm. because there's also an argument and I'll I'll be there all day for it that, you know, animal proteins are, you know, complete and themselves, they have the essential amino acids that you need and everything. Uh, it's where there's a lot of plant-based ones like soy, hemp, uh, pea proteins where you don't always get all those. Um, but the the milk ones and the egg ones are going to be a little bit still more complete. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually I, I go for that. Um, so like egg whites are like pure protein. Um, I used to drink them. A lot of people uh, get very turned off by that. I don't drink them anymore um, because it's it's not, a, like I said, it feels weird in your stomach. It's not great. Um, cook them. It's just a lot to eat though too at some points mm-hmm. when you're trying to hit your macros. But egg whites are great, like pure protein. Um, milk. Milk is great. Uh, I get non uh, fat free milk, but you can get like I said, you'll have a little bit of sugar in that. But as long as you're not going keto, which I don't really recommend for most people anyway, but um, it's we can get into there's, that too. Can, but there's diets that are just so weird out there, mm-hmm. and I've got my certain opinions on it. But mm-hmm. then again, like um, 
yeah, we'll get into that here in a shortly in a bit. I'll write that one down so we don't forget about it. So yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry. To, uh, no, 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 you're continue. good. Yeah. So yeah, anything like any milk products like uh, cottage cheese is great. Also, cottage cheese has a lot of. I mean, it's gross, dude. It's molded milk. Yeah, no, it's old milk. It's nasty. Yeah, I mean, we all have our different tastes, but. Um, <laughs> But it's like I said, it's got a lot of protein in it. It's like casein protein. So it's also really good to have like later in the day because it'll break down a little bit slower. Um, what else? I mean, I'll have like soy. I know that soy, like a lot of people are like, feel a certain way about I'm soy. Anti soy. Really? I am very anti soy. For what matter? The reason being is that the studies that I've read from it is a. Uh, it increases estrogen and decreases testosterone. Mm. And obviously. I like to increase my testosterone and decrease my estrogen as much as I can. Mm -hmm. uh, even so much so that I just started taking a Fidogia agrestis and, uh, Ooh, what's the other one? Uh, I'll remember it here in a second. It's, it's like there. something Ali. That's like really big. Tenga Ali. Tenga Ali Tenga is a big Ali. one. Yeah. Uh, so I've read studies on that. Listen to Andrew Huberman's podcast. Mm -hmm. If you guys like scientific stuff, like research, Andrew Huberman, does tremendous work. Okay, I'll and check him the, out. The dude is awesome. Mm. And he's he's all over the place now. Mm. Um, but I just recently started those, and then it's a, it's a natural way of increasing testosterone levels up mm. uh, uh, quite a hundred to two hundred points. Mm. And then also the uh, that's with the Tenga Ali and the Fidogia agrestis, and it also helps with the testes and keeping them at a good size. Mm -hmm. um, Don't want small testes. You can't have small testes. No, bro. you got small testes. You got small. You got small nuts. You can't walk around the, the no, locker room like that. <laughs> <laughs> There's these old guys at the gym. Oh, dude. don't. Oh, oh it's God. all right. I, it's bad. I I was born and <laughs> raised, bad. Like I said, playing sports. And there is no shame in being naked in the locker room. But old men, <laughs> stop talking to me as I'm se seated on a bench when you're naked. Like with one leg up, like on it. Yes. And I like just talking. Like, I don't want to talk to you when you're naked. Like, there, there's there's a line. Like, get dressed. Like, you know, well, like you can get naked, get dressed. In a timely fashion, and everybody feels better about it. I, this is a PSA. This is a PSA. I tell you what. So what you'll see with old guys is they'll take their towels. They get it ready. They take all their clothes off. They take their towel. You would think that towel would go around the waist. No. It never. It goes right up over their right over yeah. their shoulders, and they're sitting yeah. there. And I'm like, dude, mm. th there's not. I mean, I, I love. I to envy like, the pride in a way. They you know? have a lot of pride in their yeah. body. There's no shame. There's no shame. And there are times where it's like you have to say something. Yeah. Like, like I get to a point. I get. I don't get annoyed easily, but mm. I've gotten to a point now. It's like I'm not old, but I'm a little bit older to where I feel comfortable being like, Nah, bud. We're yeah. not doing that in here. Yeah. Like, so we're if you're all... gonna stand there and talk to me. Put your put your fucking pants on. Yeah. Yeah. And talk to me. Like, yeah. Please. I don't want to see that thing kind of winking at me. Yeah. Like, that's right. Like, I feel yeah. like it's winking. I got three eyes staring back at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, there's two heads. Yeah, right here. <laughs> I'm not enjoying this. No, no, no. <laughs> All so, right. So what were we talking about? We were just talking about. Uh, I think na natural testosterone levels. Oh, and, and yeah, why I'm anti and soy. Yeah. So I have seen conflicting. Um, I said it conflicts with what you said, yeah. but you know, out of respect, um, that soy. Like I said, soy-based products do have a type of estrogen, but it's phytoestrogen, right? Teach me. So the phytoestrogen, you the, the amount that you would need to consume of soy to actually have an, a, a visible like a, 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 a impact on your estrogen levels would be more than you could, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's it's not even like estrogen itself; it's phytoestrogen, and yeah, it's it's just about like you know the quantity of soy you would have to actually consume 
to to change your testosterone level or your estrogen level mm-hmm. more so would be enormous and nobody's going to consume that so your body would clear anything it needed to before anything would you know start piling up so and phyto changing phytoestrogen is phytoestrogen like f-i-t-o or p-h-y-t-o whoa yeah <laughs> college no college <laughs> no, no, no. no 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 that just tells you how stupid words are that's what no it is. no no i said i've i in my college days you know i've met a lot of educated idiots oh I've so quite a few college people. doesn't make you smart people um like i said i've met some very smart people that had very little formulative education i've married dumb people that went to college a lot so i i have met more educated idiots Mm -hmm. than i have uneducated only the reason why is because i think with uh people getting a degree Mm -hmm. uh, they feel as if that they're elevated among other people yeah which when they do that, when they're wrong on something, mm. it shines much more against them. Because mm. obviously in my workplace, I work with guys who are very educated guys, like mm-hmm. jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. But almost every one of them don't have a college degree. Yeah. The ones that do have college degrees that you can tell that they're they're a lot smarter, but they're humble about it. So when mm. you're humble about it, I think they'll let you off on the hook if you're wrong. Mm. But if you're not... They will not let you off the hook. Well, that's the thing is like if somebody comes up to you and they're super brash about being wrong, mm-hmm. you're going to be a lot less likely to be forgiving if when, mm-hmm. once you point them out. Because it's um, it's the Dunning-Kruger effect is what it's called. What's that? It's so it's like there's this weird effect that the, the people that are less educated, like not so much so not less educated as to say like, you know, for like formula of education, like, you know, like doing your university or whatever. But the people that I guess for lack of a better way of putting it are dumber are think that they're smarter. Um and that the people that are smart are like I said, more like I said, intelligent, wise, however you want to f- there's so many ways you could like you said, you could you could um, think about being smart. Smart's not just a one way like a one faceted thing that they usually are a little bit more doubtful of their intelligence as as the people that, you know, because the people that usually are the, the, the loudest and the most brash about what they know are usually um, projecting more or less. And they said most people that, you know, like, because it's, it's, it's very like Socratic in itself, right? It's very like, like Socrates is like, I, it's all about like, you know, admitting that you're ignorant mm-hmm. gets you closer to the truth gives you closer to like I said being more intelligent because it gives you the possibility it gives you the possibility of you being wrong on something and it gives you more yeah. the possibility to learn like if you think you know everything like we all know like somebody that thought they knew everything you were trying to teach them something but you can't teach somebody that thinks they know everything anything right you know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter at all because they've already consi- like I said think that they know it all so they you're they're, they're past salvation in a way until they change their mindset and so that's what the dunning Kruger effect or like even like what Socrates talks about or I guess, you know, what Plato writes about Socrates talking about is, you know, so be more okay with like not knowing everything and being ignorant because if you accept that, it gives you more chance for growth. Yes. Otherwise, yeah, if you set your ceiling so low, like you, you'll never grow out of it. I've noticed when, especially when I started doing this, mm-hmm. is that it's not the more dumb I act, but the more questions and like curiosity, mm-hmm. like killed the cat. The more times that I'm just sitting there like, if I just pretend like I don't know, even if I have an inkling about like, the only thing I know about estrogen is Mm. that I don't want it all in my body. That's all I know. Mm. Like, I don't know. Like, I do know that there are, with certain levels of testosterone, Mm. I have to have a certain level of estrogen. Mm -hmm. I do understand that. There's a healthy balance in that. Of course. But instead, I don't want it to get like this. I mean, I want my testosterone 
here's mm. here's the limit. I want it up mm. here, and I want my estrogen as healthy as low as possible. Yeah, that's my goal. But with you know, obviously teaching me about the phytoestrogen, I don't know about mm. that. But there's there's that whole idea of just being curious and asking questions, even mm. if you already possibly know the answer to it, you'll still probably learn something. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is the re- reason why, like, I used to be really against vegetarians because I was like. I never wanted to really talk to one. Yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. It there's just a, seems weird. There's a lot of people out there that are vegetarians that I, they kind of turn a lot of people off because they're so outspoken about yeah. it. And, and they a, say some crazy shit. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, because like, that's the thing that like people need to understand is that there's assholes in everything, right? Oh, yeah. No matter what like people identify, like you can identify as this, 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 or that. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a poor example of that person, like that, that group, right? So there's bad versions of vegetarians. There's bad ver- versions. Of, like I said, just there's like, I've met people that say that they're carnivores and they only eat meat. Right. And then they're just like very much over the top about it. Like, you know, like, well, if you, if you don't eat meat, I'm going to eat double meat for you. I'm like, <laughs> all right. I can just eat your portions for you. I'm man. like, that's fine. I can't, I'm not going to stop you. Like you live your life the best way you want to, but it's like, but it's, it's kind of silly that you like something that about what I do changes the way you're going to do things yeah. in your life. Um, so yeah, there's always, like I said, I, I've met vegetarians that were very judgy. I've met, I've met omnivores that were very judgy. I've met people from all different faiths, religions, yeah. races that were very judgy. It had nothing really to do with what they, what they believe so much or what they, like I said, the lifestyle that they led. Uh, I guess like that defined their lifestyles is just like who they were as a person. I would say it's more the approach because mm. like if you come, if you come across and you come and tell me you shouldn't be eating meat, you mm. should be a vegetarian. I'll be a lot more offended mm. and want to be defensive mm. and I'm going to try to defend why I eat meat, which mm. I really don't have to. Mm. But if you're like, Hey, this is the reason why I don't eat meat. And then yeah. you know, just think about it. Yeah. I might actually do more thinking about it. I'm like, man, what would life be like if I didn't eat meat? Mm. It wouldn't be as tasty. Like, I just, meat tastes delicious. Have you ever had Wagyu beef steak? I had it at the time. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah. It is delicious. Yeah. And I want to have that every day of my life. I just yeah. can't afford it, obviously. Yeah. So, like, when, when someone is a lot more pushy on it and saying, you have to live this, this mm-hmm. way, I think that's what turns people off to everything. Well, yeah, because. Not, it's not open up to, to mm-hmm. the possibility of it working in your life or being effective. Well, yeah, because if you think about if anybody tries to present you with any kind of idea and they're like saying that, no, the way you're living is wrong and this is why you should live like this because I do this. And, you know, like just they reinforce the point that you're wrong or you're a Mm -hmm. bad person. Nobody's everybody like that. You they 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 stop pretty much like listening to you from the start. Right. You never you never get your foot in the door with anything by being judgmental and over the top. You know, like you're embedding a splinter more than anything. You're like you're, you're driving a, a bad, like a bad point home. Mm-hmm. Like if you're actually just more like, you know, like that's why when I people ask me, like, like that's the thing is like most of the time when it gets brought up that I'm a vegetarian is people asking me about it because they're curious about it. It's not like I'm a vegetarian, you know, like and I <laughs> and this is why I'm better than you because it's not. And like I don't think I'm better than people because I don't eat meat. I just don't because of the the reasons that you know we laid out in the beginning of this, uh, like I said, the podcast. It's just that's me, you know. And if you're interested in that and you want to try it out, great. If you have any questions, let me know how I can help you. If it's not for you, then it's you know it's not for you. I hope 
people, like I said, like understand the whole consumption thing and, you know, like being, and like I think once again, it's like, it's kind of fun to like think of efficiency. It's just like, wow, like, you know, like I'm, I'm my, the energy transfer is going on way better than this because, because I'm eating this, but it has nothing to do with like, you're a bad person because you eat meat. And like, I would never say that because that's, that's not what I believe It's like you, you're like, maybe you eat meat doesn't mean you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. I'm a, just because you're a vegetarian doesn't mean you're a good person. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like the very, uh, you know, um, Star Wars esque like only a Sith deals in absolutes. And it's very true because it's, you know, it's nuanced. Everything's nuanced. So, yeah. So I, what I would like to think about is, and I didn't do any research on this part yet. I only saw, I saw a little bit in a couple of the videos that I've watched. One of them I sent to you after I watched the rest of that video, because I sent it to you and I was about three quarters of the way down. I'm like, this ain't that bad. I figured, I was like, well, I think there's kind of an agenda being pushed because he said every blood type should be vegetarian or mm-hmm. you'd be the healthiest as a veg- vegetarian. Mm-hmm. And the ideas that he brought up were everyone lost weight. Everyone mm-hmm. lost between 10 to like 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then everyone felt like they had more energy. Mm-hmm. Well, then I started listening to another study about mm-hmm. um, a placebo effect on um Two people who were given milkshakes. Two groups of people that were given milkshakes. Yeah. And you've probably heard of this one. Maybe. They said this milkshake has is high in fat, high in carbs, high in sugars. It's really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Drink it. This milkshake is really low in fat, low in sugars, and it's got a lot of protein, and it's really healthy for you. Mm-hmm. Drink it. And then the people, they drank it, and they checked up. They did their blood work. They checked up with them later on that day and the next day. Mm-hmm. And once the blood work came back, they found that the people who um, drank the milkshake that were told that it was really unhealthy and it was high in fat, high mm-hmm. in sugars, high in carbs, their insulin spiked. Mm-hmm. And uh, their quarter, cortisol? Level, yeah, cortisol levels mm-hmm. were... Uh, Stress. Exactly. So a lot of the big word stuff that was, I can't remember off the top of my head, was elevated or... Uh, at a higher risk, mm-hmm. the people whose milkshake was healthier, mm-hmm. their levels were extremely healthy. Was it the, the same milkshake? It was the same milkshake. I was like, I didn't know about but, the same. But I was like, yeah, I bet, the, yeah, it was the same milkshake. But what what that what that says is, and I and I do agree with like, eat what your blood type says. Mm-hmm. If your blood type is a certain, you know, it's a you know, veg, veganism or is it vegan? Is it still veganism or is it vegetarian still? Or is that two separate things? Uh, so the, only, the the big distinction between vegetarianism to veganism is like that vegans don't eat animal products or animal byproducts. Okay. So milk's off the table, eggs are off the table. Um, vegetarians will eat animal byproducts, mm-hmm. but just not animals. Like okay. that's the big differentiation. Dude, I'm lactose intolerant, so I'm already halfway there. I say you you're part <laughs> vegan. You I'm didn't part know it. Vegan. Yeah. Oh my. I won't accept that. I'm not yeah. <laughs> I won't accept being you called vegan. vegan. You didn't even know no. it. Uh, <laughs> Take that back. No. You heard That's, it here, guys. Uh, don't hear it here. <laughs> Unhear it. <laughs> Unhear that. I can't be a part of that. <laughs> no, I'm lactose intolerant. And it, it just messes me up if I have milk. Now, if mm. I want to have a good time and stay at home. Take your lactate pill and <laughs> I, hope for I the do. best. Yeah. And I just say, you know, I'm going to have some ice cream tonight. I'm going to make this mm. a risk. But like uh, there was a time I went on a date. With a girl, and she's like, "Can we get some ice cream?" I was like, "I can't say no." The Gotta live in the well. moment. Yeah. She wants to go get ice cream. Guess we're going to get ice well. cream. I guess we're getting ice cream. And I'm like, "Yeah, the date's about over, anyways." And yeah. she's like, "Oh, I figured we can hang out a little bit." I'm like, yeah, "Sure." And we had Ooh. ice cream, and dude, my stomach was like, 
it was like aired up like a balloon. Mm. And I was like, my stomach hurt so bad. I was getting cramps. Cause that's typically what I get is I get the cramps. Mm. And then obviously sometimes I just have to go to the bathroom. bathroom yeah. And, uh, so like I'm sitting there and my stomach felt like my pants were tightening. Cause it just kept like getting, it was like uh, a balloon getting ready mm, to pop. It's like, like me with pasta. It's, yeah. oh, <laughs> and I, I remember like telling her, like I started to sweat and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I said, honestly, I'm lactose intolerant. She's like, well, why'd you have ice cream with you? I'm like, I don't know. Like you really wanted it. And mm. I, I, it was going well. And I just, I thought it would be the end. Yeah, it I really didn't, just wasn't. I thought, I didn't want to see if you were prejudiced against lactose intolerant <laughs> people, you know? No, now I, I was don't going to kick I'm that like, can down the road yeah, until I, I next tell time. I ahead of time. I'm like, I'm lactose intolerant, but I'll still eat some ice cream with you. But, yeah. but I got to go. Home. Yeah. Right well, I think we're getting to a place where there's a lot of lactose free ice cream. So, oh, yeah, there is. So yeah, like we're, we're getting there. It's getting there better. For, and like, I don't, I like when people say like, I'm uh I'm gluten free. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, why are you gluten free? Yeah. It's well, I have an allergy to it. Perfect. Cool. Great Celiac answer disease, to it. Anything. Yes. Like perfect answer to it. But yeah. when you just say, well, gluten's bad. I'm like, er- everything's bad. Like water's mm-hmm. bad for you in, in consumption rate. Yeah. But like you do need sugars. You do need fats. You mm-hmm. do need oils. You do need omega. You do need protein. You do need carbs like mm-hmm. to survive. Now, yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's certain people with like Jordan. You know who Jordan Peterson is? Yeah. Jordan Michaela Peterson. Michaela's his daughter. Jordan's got a disease where he eats only just meat and it's cured his disease. And mm. he's lost a ton of weight. He sleeps less, but feels more rested when he wakes up, mm. which is like blows my mind. Yeah. I, I thought about doing that. Yeah. I was like, if that works for you, like I said, exactly. go for it, you know? So what do we, what do you think about people eating for their blood type? Did you notice any difference in your blood work if, if you had um, it done before and after? I just want to make a couple points about the milkshake thing. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Um, first, because since you brought it up. So two big points. You know, I'm just going to like, I'm, I am not a nutrition or dietitian, but it is simple enough to say that the if you want to lose weight, people, you have to be in a caloric deficit. That's like something that like try to get through to people all the time, you know, like fad diets. Can you explain a caloric deficit to those who don't know? What that oh, is? yeah. Yeah. So. You should have a basal metabolic rate to start out with, which is how many calories. Like, say you sit at home on your butt all day, like you're still gonna burn so many calories because you're alive. You know, like you said, your your bodily functions have to happen. You, you you're probably gonna move at least a little bit. Um, so, like for instance, my basal metabolic rate is two thousand three hundred calories. If I consume two thousand three hundred calories and I don't do any activity that day, I will be in a, like maintaining my weight. <clears throat> So, but you have to, like with a basal metabolic rate, say you are active, like you do go work out, say you burn 400, like 400, 400 pounds, 400 calories. <laughs> wow. You're, you're amazing. <laughs> you're, you're a magic man um, and or woman, but you say you, you burn 400 calories. So if that's me, that means now like to, like I said, to maintain, I need 2,700 calories now because we're adding to the 2,300. And so, but let's say I want to lose weight though. And I've, like I said, I, if I consume 2,700 calories, then I'll maintain. Well, let, let's knock off like 500, right? And so let's bring it down my total calories today to 2,200. And if I do that for seven days, in theory, that's going to be 3,500 calories I've I've taken away. Um, I should lose about a, a pound of body fat. And I always recommend people when you're losing weight, do the slow and steady race. Do not do the yo-yo thing. Cause like most people that, you know, it, we always hear about the stories about like people that lose a lot of weight really quickly. Unfortunately, a lot of the times they have bounce back because you don't actually, you need to like, like, you know, like work your way into like a, a rhythm of life. You need to work your way into 
a situation where you're creating these good habits, or that's like, I don't even say good habits, but habits that are, that are more aligned with the lifestyle you want. Right. Um, so like to do that, you need to do that slowly and over time. That's the boat, the most, like, that's going to be the most uh, advantageous way for it to do it in the long term. So like you say, you lose a pound of body fat that, that first week because you're in a caloric deficit of 500 calories. And five, like I said, over seven days, that adds up to 3,500. And that's supposedly supposed to be about what a pound of body fat should be cons- like uh, made of. Um, so like I said, be, like I said, figure out your numbers. Um, I, if you guys, like I said, more, more than welcome to reach out to me if you need any help with that. Um, but it's, it's like, it's, it's pretty simple math. Like I said, just the hardest part might be finding out what your basal metabolic rate is. You'll have to do some kind of a scan or a pod to do that usually. Um, and then just find, figure out those numbers. And like I said, it's really easy to, to plug in, get yourself a, an app to, to track your stuff by. If you want to do it by weight, that's what I do. So I know how much I'm consuming that day. Um, and then, yeah, figure that out. Like I said, that's the only way you can really lose weight. So, because the thing is, is like what you were talking about mm-hmm. was that the milkshakes were the same. And this is also something that I want people to know is that like if you mess up on your diet or you mess up and you eat more than you're supposed to, let it go. Let it go. Um, and just like anything in life, just like learn from it. Like, I mean, you know, you can't fix a mistake that you already committed. And it, it's not really a mistake. It's a, like think of it as more of a learning um, situation, like a chance to learn something. Because if you freak out about messing up for like a meal or something, you will raise your cortisol levels because you're stressing yourself out. And that will not help you. That would actually make it worse than if you just have the mentality to not get stressed out about it. Don't raise your cortisol levels. Just let it go. Be, be kind to yourself. A lot of the, the process of losing weight or getting in shape is, like I said, like I said, figuring out who you are, like being okay with it. And then you can move forward. And it's the same way with, like I said, making mistakes. Like, you know, just you, you ate more than you were, you were supposed to. Or like, you know, like I said, it just wasn't what you were supposed to have to fit your macros that day. Let it go. It's all right. Because like, like I said, you, all you'll do is you'll compound the problem by raising your cortisol levels, your estrogen levels with the cortisol because you're just getting stressed out and your body will be more likely to store it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just said just in general in life, be kind with yourself. I think that helps a lot of things. But with that it especially... Does. Um, so I think that are the two point. Like I said, the, I said the, I find the placebo effect to be very interesting, though, <clears throat> because a, they even do it with. It's very real. Yeah, it's very it's real, one hundred percent real. So going through a situation for me, a very highly stressful situation, mm-hmm. I went through a another stressful situation shortly after my first traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. My traumatic experience um, was a divorce. Yeah, and then the very next traumatic experience, four days later, was an infant death. Yeah. So dealing with both of those mm. perception and pain from previous trauma, mine was pretty closely knitted. Mm. It took away the pain from the second one because of dealing with past trauma, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it, it the placebo effect that it had on me was, oh, it's just a fake baby right here and it's not going to be breathing. It's going to die. Mm. But this is way worse. But mm. if I would have changed my mindset of this is way worse, and then that would have I would have gotten over the divorce part pretty quickly, I think. But I got instead it was the reverse. Yeah, I got over the infant death a lot quicker. Uh, mm. Literally, as I'm doing it, I was over it already. But yeah, it didn't neglect care. Care no. was still top notch and everything. But it oh, just cool. yeah. emotionally, it just didn't affect. Me. 
Yeah. But that, but this placebo effect of that, because I talked to a psychiatrist about it afterwards, mm. but yeah. the placebo effect from it was, was which is good. Also, you, yeah. oh, everybody like <laughs> everyone therapy, should. therapy and psychiatry is for everybody. Don't ever be yeah. ashamed of it. Go get it. Like that's that's huge. Like you said, like, I I love that you're talking about that too. Yeah. That's great. That's a big thing. And so, like with this podcast, I talk about with uh, first responders and the experiences they go through, and people in the military as well. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't even know veterinary technicians. Really? Did you know that they're like top three in suicide rates for careers? I did not know that. But uh, think about it. You've got these cute, cuddly little animals coming in every single day, mm-hmm. and either you've got a they're, you're having life-saving surgery that they don't survive with. Mm-hmm. They have to get put down and their owners aren't even there or their owners are there. And it's just an emotional experience every mm-hmm. single day. Like yeah. the stress of dealing with these, like I love animals. Obviously you've met my dog. Yeah. Um, love through the insurance company, <clears throat> I don't have a talk here, yeah. <laughs> but it's offsite dog. <laughs> offsite dog. dog. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, um, <clears throat> I care about animals. I couldn't be a veterinary technician because mm-hmm. there's no way I could put an animal down. Yeah. Like, like, oh, no, you're old and sick. Like, I wanted to take care of you until you stop breathing. But, like, yeah. you got to be the one to push that. Mm. And I didn't know how stressful it was for them. I had a vet tech on for one of my episodes. Her name was Catherine. Tech. Yeah. But she talked about that. I couldn't believe it until I looked it up. Yeah. It's somebody that's dedicated their whole life mm-hmm. to, like, saving animals. You yes. know, like, think about, you know, like I said, somebody's maybe, like, dreamed of being that since they were a little kid because they wanted to help animals. And they're like, here I am, like, putting them down. Like, it yeah. has to be stressful. Do the exact opposite of what you dreamed of. Yeah. Like, you're doing yeah. your nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like I, you know, I'm so glad you bring that up too, because it's like I've never thought about it that way. Uh-huh. But it's true. It's very true. To where, yeah, that's but wild. The suicide rate is high for them. Yeah, it's top three in professions. I, I for a long for the for a while it was actually number one. Yeah. for career suicide rates. Wow. But to um, bring back with uh, psychiatry and mm-hmm. seeing a psychologist and stuff or clinical. Yeah, sorry. Psychologist. No, it's good. Um, it depends on what what works for each person everyone's different obviously mm-hmm. we all know that for me when i saw a psychiatrist it did not work for me yeah what worked for me was sitting down and talking about it. i i vlogged so mm-hmm. i've got over 20 hours of vlogging uh uh experience now with mm-hmm. uh, i just sit here i turn the camera on and i just talk directly either into the camera or just off but i just sit there and just talk about what's going on in my head and mm-hmm. then afterwards i listen to it mm-hmm. and then i realize I'm worried about that. Yeah. Like I'm worried about what someone mm. thinks that I look like. Yeah. I'm worried that I won't find, like I'm worried that she did this. I'm worried about, you know, if money's going to be here tomorrow, like I can't mm. believe I'm worried about that. Yeah. But just sitting there talking about it and recording it, then listening back to it, you realize how much of a complainer that you're, you are mm. of pointless things that, that mm. don't truly matter. Yeah. And, and then that's, it, it honestly, just, that's... It put it in my perspective of, dude, I'm kind of being a bitch. Like <laughs> now it's not, the term that everyone's related to, but it's just like, I'm like, I'm not on point with, you know, my phys- physique that I really like. My mm. shoulders aren't big enough. I, mm. I, my jawline's not there. That's probably why I, I love your jawline. Like, what are you talking about? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you know how you do the whole, like the mewing thing or mm. whatever. Like I've been practicing that. Mm-hmm. It's, it does not look good. Cause when, when I realized what I have to do, I, the underbite mm. that I have mm. is comical. So like you do like something, like that, then you get the line. But my underbite is yeah. like insane. I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like, yeah. this is my jawline. For, if you like it, you like it. Yeah, you're like, woo, look at it. It's like, <laughs> it's like the payoffs. It's not worth it. It's, it's not worth yeah. it. So, but but for what I found for me that worked for therapy was talking to talking to my friends mm-hmm. and uh, cracking jokes. Mm-hmm. 
but also uh, talking to myself about it and walking myself and a lot of scripture. Yeah. Helped me out. That's great. God helped me out. He got, he got me through it to be honest because Mm -hmm. he placed the people in my life. He also let that stuff happen in my life Mm -hmm. because hopefully in some point I'm going to help somebody else. Yeah. That's a beautiful uh, way to look about, like look, look at it. And I'm hoping it's a beautiful way to handle it. Like, uh, it's, 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 it's crazy because you know, like I think that, you always learn about like when you're like they tell you like to write things down, mm-hmm. but you turn it to a vol- like you turn that the 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 classic uh, example of like writing things down to see like what you really think mm-hmm. and whatever. But you you turned it into like a vlog, which is like it's really cool. Like I said, well, thanks man. That's just really cool, and like I said, it's a beautiful way to like I said to really like you know work through those problems yes. because. You know, unfortunately, as human beings, we do have so many things that we worry about, about ourselves, about our appearance, about who we are, about our careers, mm-hmm. about um, our friends, family, whatever, you know. And then when you really think about it or you, like you said, you share it with somebody else you and then <clears throat> to like get it, like to reflect off of them, like to get their opinion about it or you write it down or at the vlogging, like you said, you're kind of like, wow, it's like. I'm being silly, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like what we were talking at the beginning is that like, you know, like we're having receding hairlines. It's like in the grand scheme of things, you know, like that's silly. That's a silly thing to get it hung really up is. on, you know? And then you, when you put it in perspective, especially with a lot of things going on in the world, you're like, huh, like that's, that's really small potatoes that, you know, like I've got alleys <laughs> going on in my hair versus a lot of the bigger problems that I should probably be focusing mm-hmm. on, you know, something that I can actually control versus like, my hairline is just going to go. I, I've seen go all goes. the men in my family look like. Who am I? Why? Who did yes. I, I knew this was going to happen. You know, like I don't. <laughs> my know My future I was laid out. It was printed in front of me. In the it was other destined. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. For my head, dude. I've got obviously no hair on my head, mm. but thank God I've got a decent bald head. Like it's not oddly shaped. Now I have a giant head. This is a double XL, and mm. it's comfy finally Mm -hmm. but uh like what jordan peterson said that i've tried to do this a lot of is don't compare yourself to who you were who are you going to be tomorrow or someone else compare yourself to who you were yesterday Mm -hmm, so i always try to look at what i what did i do yesterday like i'm gonna do something hard today yeah i did something hard yesterday and it started off my day just great like this morning i got home from work i dove into my ice bath yeah and i just laid there yeah and i'm like Doing some of that. What's that breathing called? The uh, Wim Hof breathing. So I did a little oh. bit of the Wim Hof breathing, which I'm still new at. Uh, mm-hmm. It's weird. It's so hard you can educate do. me on that because I I'm, I'm blissfully so ignorant on that one. I am not very well educated in the. I watched his whole video on it, and I still like. It's not that I couldn't understand it, but I have to listen to it again and practice it while he's doing it. Yeah. Um. But it's a breathing technique to uh, increase your heart rate. But uh, it also can, can increase your metabolism rate. It oh. can compre- c- increase your uh, adrenaline, which uh, I do know with like with my career in firefighting, controlling your breathing. So there's guys out there that. Um, so typically our our packs, our SCBAs that we mm-hmm. wear. Is a self-contained breathing apparatus. Divers okay. use something pretty similar. Okay. Similar. Um, ours just can take heat, you know, mm-hmm. heat-related temperatures yeah. to an extreme. Mm-hmm. And then also we have pass devices put on them, placed <laughs> on them, so that way if a guy doesn't move for a certain amount of time, typically it's about between 15 to 30 seconds, it starts to alarm in four different stages. Mm-hmm. And then it goes off to the final stage, which you can't shut it off like by wiggling it, because that's why they call it the pack twerk. Okay. Because right? everyone does this. Yeah. Or they're doing that, because they have to get this little sensor inside to move. To move or else it will go off. If it go, yes, then it'll go off. Huh. Um, but there's breathing techniques to do. So there's like skip breathing. There's... Uh, I, 
I like to do the, uh, as I'm exhaling, I hold and then mm -hmm. exhale again. So wow. So like, I like that mm -hmm. because it gives me something to focus on as I'm doing whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, do I get a ton of fires here where I work at? No. But when I do get them, I change my breathing up in each one of the scenarios. So like if we're doing something, what my goal is to make this bottle as last as long as possible. Mm. They're technically, you know, 50 or well, 40 minute, 30, 50 minute bottles. Mm. People with work and you're breathing, it's literally just because you have to force in, force mm. out. Mm -hmm. um, so it goes down tremendously, you know, mm. 15 to 30 minutes of work. It's 50, 60 minute bottles. Mm. But there's guys that can make these bottles last longer than 60 minutes. Now, they're not doing a ton of work, but they're sitting there, they're just breathing with it. And it's just all breathing techniques. The mm. same with Wim Hof is a breathing technique for extreme temperatures, but also you could do it outside of it as well. It's like mm. more for therapy, okay. uh, for um, uh, meditation, mm. which, I mean, that's, I go into a meditative state when I go into that because mm -hmm. I'm trying not to think about it. Yeah. But the biggest thing too that I've noticed, I've been doing it for over a year now. Yeah. The biggest thing I've noticed when getting into the water, obviously it's cold. It's in the 40s for me. My mindset around 40 some degrees. Mm. But when I'm getting into it, I know going into this, I'm like, I know it's cold. I hate doing it every morning, mm. but I just go ahead and just do it because by the time I get into it, if you're moving, you, if you continuously move around while you're in the water, it gets colder and colder yep. because you're, it's, it's almost like you're, you're, it is, your body is radiating heat. Mm -hmm. Well, when it's radiating heat, it's turning that, that water that's closest to you to a little bit warmer. Mm -hmm. Is it multiple degrees warmer? No, I would assume that it's maybe half a degree mm -hmm. at most warmer, but it's still warmer. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in there, I try to move around. Obviously, I had to get a pretty big deep freezer for me to fit in so that I, at least mm -hmm. I can move around in. And it moves water, sloshes it out, and goes off the sides. But I only do it for a little bit because I don't want to lose all the water. Yeah. But I've noticed that in my mind, if I just embrace the suck and mm -hmm. push through it, mm -hmm. it is just it's a it's a it's a walk in the park almost. Yeah. But if I'm sitting there and I'm worried about what's going on, I'm ter I'm thinking about how much this sucks. The cold water is miserable. It's making this worse. It mm -hmm. makes it seem 10 times longer. Mm -hmm. But then I don't get into a state where I'm chill. But mm -hmm. with the Wim Hof breathing, it, it to me has been working with controlling my own breathing, focusing on something else, mm -hmm. and my body feels like it's warmer. Yeah. Whether it is or isn't, I don't really know. Yeah, but like placebo effect it's exactly what it the placebo is. placebo effect is is real for a reason mm -hmm. so it was, it was i was getting ptsd because i was remembering when i was <laughs> at iu and track and field and like yeah. uh we were we would have to do uh, ice baths after and so you would get in and be like okay i'm good and then they had a jet in it oh and yeah, they would turn the jet on and i was like oh okay i, ju I just <laughs> uh, i was like don't don't uh cut that audio and then play paste it somewhere else it was a little bit suspect but Dude, if uh, i had a soundboard i would do that yeah that would be awesome. but it it was horrible like i said you're just like you'd finally get ready and they're like mm -hmm. all right jet ding. it makes it so much worse <laughs> yeah. it makes it so much worse so i i remember like i said the difference because the when you're difference. not getting smacked with the cold water you're like you can you can get into a state where you know you are more or less meditative mm -hmm. and like having like i said i meditate not as much as i probably would like to mm -hmm. but it, it is it's even the truth of just sitting there right mm -hmm. if you know and then there's different thoughts and then you know like in schools on meditation some of them you know like it's like go ahead and think through the things you want to think some pe things are more like clear your mind and just go mm -hmm. for that 
Um, but it is true that when you have a lot you're thinking about, and even if you're trying to meditate for like 15 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, which for a lot of people, that might not be a lot. Some people meditate for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, if you sit there and you're thinking about meditating while you're meditating, it feels like forever, right? R- versus really just finding like some kind of calm and just like this other state where you're just kind of like not thinking about anything specifically, thoughts, thoughts and things might come up, like, you know, float up to you, but you're not actively thinking you know, thinking and you're passively just having things come to you. And then it creates such a different experience when you finally just hit that moment where you, you know, like kind of like I'm not focusing on one thing. And then now it's, it doesn't seem like time's going faster. Mm-hmm. That's for what it felt like forever. What has been your most favorite meditative state you've been in? Were you doing something while in that state or were you just still? Um, my favorite, favorite, like meditative thing was like probably when I was living the first year I lived in France, like I was very, I was in a a very, um, stressful situation. That's kind of like when I turned to meditation because it it brings me back to center in a way. And I sat down and meditated and I almost, like I said, I had a, it was a weird moment of like, uh, where there's like something happened during my meditation and like, you know, we can get into it more if we want to or not. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but like something that brought me clarity. Right. And it was almost like, it was weird. It was like, a, mm. a like a mind boggling scenario. And then I came out of it and I was like, everything's going to be okay. Right. And then there's just deep breath. And then I wasn't so stressed out. And I had another perspective of looking at the stressful situation that I was in. And it just brought me back to center. Like, you know, that was, that was probably my favorite meditative moment. Um, yeah. So yeah. Cause like not, now we're getting into it too much is like, so I, I've also had, like I said, and everybody does like had traumatic moments in my life. Mm-hmm. One of the most traumatic moments for me was losing my father mm-hmm. at a young age. And so in that moment, it was like, you know, I had this weird, this moment where I felt like somebody was telling me like, it's going to be okay. And it felt like it was him. And for some reason, that was enough in that moment for me to be like, yeah, you know, whatever you believe or don't believe, like, you know, it doesn't matter because like that's what came to me in that moment. And just having what felt like him tell me it's okay, take a deep breath, you're going to be all right. I was like, that's what I needed, you know. So if anybody has ever lost a parent or lost somebody close to them, sometimes you just need reassurance from somebody that's not there anymore. And you seek that for like the rest of your life in a way, like, you know, just like, am I doing, am I, am I living the like life that they would want for me? Would they be proud of who I am? And when they, you have a moment like that where you feel like there is some kind of pride and there's like some reassurance and also like some like support, like, you know, that everything's going to be okay. Like it, it means the world to you. And like that was, and I was meditating and I, that's the first thing that like instantly popped in my head that moment. Um, and that just came from just sitting there, like meditating. That sounds like it would be an extremely emotional. It was. I, I, if I remember correctly, I was crying by the end of it. Like you know, and like I said, it's okay to cry. Like you know, and that's that's and how it, I. Yes, it is okay to cry uh, in certain places and times mm-hmm. in front of certain people. Yeah, yeah for sure. Don't go around like don't go to the gym and be like start to cry in the middle of the gym unless you got an actual problem or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, it's okay. To, it, it's okay to cry. It's okay to cry because. You know, in a way, we think of it, and this is like men's health is something we can get into too, is that, you know, being strong is be like not crying and not being emotionally vulnerable in anything. But I've always felt that if you, it's it's like anything like made of metal. It's like if it bends a little bit, 
it'll probably hold a little bit better, right? Versus if it's if it doesn't bend, it'll break and be brittle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like steel that's over tempered and more or less. Mm-hmm. Is and so like if you give a little bit, like I said, like I, that was like that was that's another great memory I have from my childhood is like my grandfather died, and mm-hmm. you know I was like I was like oh I'm not gonna cry though you know like I was I was eight years old and I was trying to be a hard ass. And I just remember my dad looking at me, you know, cause he was still alive at the time and being like, it's okay to cry, you know, if you want to cry. And so I did, cause I was like, I am really upset about this loss. And so I remember being at the funeral and crying and like the first time, you know, cause it always, you know, like I was raised like, you know, rub some dirt on it, you know, don't be, don't act like a girl, you know, like all that stuff, you know, like yeah. how that toxic masculinity, don't, you know, don't be a sissy about it. Yeah. There's, there are things now I'll, I'll talk more about masculinity and stuff after that after you're done yeah i'm right there so but yeah and like you're saying there is like there's like so there's a time and place right Mm -hmm. for everything but don't feel like you can't right correct because that's that's why like i said there's no so many male suicides is because guys feel like they can't talk about their feelings to anybody because to do it is to be weak when it's really the, the the weakness is in feeling that is, is almost like the reverse of like a good placebo effect. It's a bad one. Mm-hmm. It's like you're actually projecting weakness because you think it's weak to be vulnerable. When if anything, it's like, you know, like pick and choose who you're going to be vulnerable with. Exactly. You know, pick and choose because some people won't appreciate and like I said, won't understand how much like, how much, like I said, you're giving to them, right? Some people don't appreciate that or they don't know what to do with it uh, as well. Like maybe they're a little bit more innocent than just, you know, being an asshole and not knowing how to handle your feelings. But there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable and share, like sharing your emotions with people that are close to in your life, you know? If anything, it, it makes you stronger because, you know, you're okay with being vulnerable. You know, if you always feel like, you know, like I can't be vulnerable because that, that's strong. If anything, it's like you're afraid to be vulnerable. If you think of it from a mindset, it's like, you know, like that means that you're weaker because you're, if you can't be, it's like you can't show your back to anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Like some of the, you know, like people that, you know, are the most confident in who they are, you know, like don't really care about who's around them, even if that maybe that does put them in a more vulnerable situation, but they, they're at peace with it and calm with it because they believe in like whatever, mm-hmm. like in a fight or something or whatever. Like they, they just, I don't know how to put it in some kind of frame that makes more sense. But if you're more okay with being vulnerable, then that speaks something about the strength that you actually feel and are. So I agree with that to a point, Mm -hmm. to a point, only because of the states that I've been in the last, you know, not physical states as in country states. Yeah. The states of emotions Mm -hmm. and and the ups and downs that I've had the last year. Mm -hmm. For me, if you're in a leadership type role, Mm -hmm. showing emotion can really knock down what the perception is in that leadership role of mm-hmm. what people think about you. Mm-hmm. And then there's doubt. Well, if my, if my leader is whether it's male or female mm-hmm. is emotionally responsive mm-hmm. with things, then if they're crying about a lot of things, that's not a good, that's for one, it's not a good look Two, you're, 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 you're trying to wonder, you're trying to dictate like what is their mental stability here? Because mm-hmm. if I'm giving them stuff and they're crying about it all the time, they're always vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why I think that it's okay to be if you're a man, it's okay to be vulnerable to a certain <clears throat> point. Because I know for me, I cried in front of people I shouldn't have been crying in front of, mm-hmm. and it completely changed the relationship dynamic that we had. Mm-hmm. So I learned the hard way that on that one, mm-hmm. being vulnerable to the right people, i.e., your close friends and mm-hmm. your family, I think 
you know, if you have kids, you don't go, you don't go crying to your kids because mm. then you don't, you want them to look to you to be that rock. Be you need to be that, yeah. You need yeah. to be that support, that rock for them, mm. which is what masculinity is. You have mm. to be that rock. Mm. If you are not being that rock and you are the constant, you know, waves coming at the other person trying to give them to be the rock, mm. that's when that relationship dynamic changes and shifts. And then mm. that afterwards, it's going to be very hard to reel it back in to be like, Hey man, I'm strong enough for it. It's like, well, mm. Are you though? Like, mm-hmm. because I went through that. Yeah. Now with toxic masculinity, I could see the argument on a lot of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up, um, obviously, and I've seen it with my sisters and other kids as well. And I remember it from my parents. I remember I can I can go cry to my mom about mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. I could just be like. I fell down the stairs. Like, mm-hmm. can you like take care of me? And then like when but, I would, but going to dad, yeah, would be a going to dad, yeah. I just go to him and I'm like, I fell down the stairs, and he's yeah. just like, you're right. I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm back off to doing the same thing again. But it, I'm going up to my mom and I'm like, I fell down the stairs, and she embraces mm-hmm. me and holds mm-hmm. me. That's when I start to cry mm-hmm. because for some reason I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. it just it just happens. Well, so when we we have that same relationship a lot of times, like I said, if you're I said a heterosexual male, then you would have that with probably your partner as well. Yeah, like yeah. it's they, they bring that like kind of feminine aspect of like comfort that yes. you can seek out when you are going through some kind of emotional turmoil, mm-hmm. right? I said we 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 seek that also with it with our partners. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that being a woman, like I said in, in the, the scenario. Um, but the thing is, is like in a hierarchy, yeah, I completely agree that yeah. like if you're in a leadership position, there is some truth that you have to keep it together for your your troops or your crews or yeah, whatever, like whoever you're leading, whoever you're leading, because you know you you're trying to inspire them to like to like and you're like calm their nerves and yes. like I said and, and provide like a, a kind of a soothing aspect because because you there are you calm. Go. Yeah, um, I can agree with that for sure. Um, I think though is like what I've ever found out if like my emotional vulnerabilities were shared with somebody that I considered my peer or friend or mm-hmm. family and it wasn't well received I didn't think so much that it, it reflected so much on me maybe I needed to be more careful like I said who I judged to be worthy of sharing that you know that vulnerability with but it also was a reflection of them as a person right because a lot of times people will say that they're your friend to this certain level they'll say that you're they're there for you if you need anything but when you actually go to them for it, they're not or they're not as good as they said. They, they talk mm-hmm. more the talk than they walk the walk. And so we had to think as well that that's kind of a reflection of who they are or how your relationship really is. And if you walk away from that thing, like don't like I said, don't feel dumb because if anything, if they, they reassured you and you are, like I said, a level headed person and you're like, this is a person I can share my stuff with and they don't, but it doesn't reflect well with them. Like you're, you're, if anything, you're winning because you're like, that person is not who I thought they were. And it's better for me to know that they are who they are at this point rather than to go down this rabbit hole any farther, right? Mm-hmm. And like if we're not on that level of friendship or, you know, like relationship in general, then well, now I know that. And I, I maybe I thought more of it than I did. I, I should have. And like maybe that's a little bit me, a little bit you, as most things are. Like I said, there's usually a little bit to go, like there's nobody's completely innocent if, anything like a lot of times especially when it comes to relationships mm-hmm. you know there's something like i could have done this better i could have done that better self-reflection is always good to have yes much yes yeah, very much so so the but you come to the point where like well but you know like you weren't the kind of friend or relationship that you said you were mm-hmm. and that reflects a lot on you too and like well an then act. the deception 
the deception that they've given you. Sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt you. No, 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 no. But you, the deception that they give you on, you could have shared, you could share anything with me, but when you share too much to them, mm-hmm. then that's when that person will feel like they were just like, I, I'll, I'll explain how I felt when I did it one time. Yeah. I shared too much information to somebody mm-hmm. and I got too emotional Yeah, and then I felt deceived like they would have been okay with it and understanding and they weren't. Yeah. And it was it was a female that I did it to. Yeah. And I felt like I was betrayed. Yeah. And then I didn't want to do it to anybody. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to share with anybody because I'm like, that's how it made me feel. Like this mm-hmm. was horrible. Mm-hmm. Which is why I went to vlogging instead because mm-hmm. no one's gonna respond back to me on mm-hmm. it because I could just record it and put it up on my computer and it stays there. Mm-hmm. And then talking to my dog all the time and then talking to my friends and guys I worked with about mm-hmm. it, guys who've been through those situations. Yeah. And but that's how I felt after sharing, I thought, too much yeah. with that person. Mm-hmm. Which I think is the classic uh, example of you, it's almost like overcorrecting a car, right? Yes. You're like, you know, like you, you try to steer back because it was the wrong direction that you were trying to go, but you overcorrected and now you're not sharing with anybody, which yeah. isn't healthy either. Correct. It wasn't so much, it wasn't so much that you shouldn't share your emotions and be vulnerable with some people is just like, not with that person, <laughs> yes, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, I learned that the hard way. Yeah. yeah that's and that's, and that's, and that's how we live. Like we, 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 most of our lives, most of the times when we make mistakes, we overcorrect in the opposite direction. And then we have to like, you know, it's like, it's like the, the synthesis or sorry, sorry, sorry. It's the thesis, antithesis, thesis. I mean, synthesis. Sorry. That's a, that's a lot of thesis. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. So you have this this thought, and then let's say like, but then you have the the opposite thought or like a, a different kind of thought, mm-hmm. but then usually it's kind of like a mixture of the two in the end, you know, it like because you, you go from one thing to like overcorrecting, and then you kind of like put them together, and usually it's somewhere in the middle that you should have been, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not exactly what thesis antithesis synthesis is for all you philo- philosophical like philosophy buffs out there, but it's something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, that, yeah, we usually overcorrect every time we make a mistake and and then we have to like bring it back down a little bit because we over, we overstated or we tried to, well, that could even be brought into with guys like asking a girl out mm-hmm. or guys hitting on a woman. Oh, for hundred uh, percent. Because I know that it's happened to me before. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy doing this, but you know, talking to a woman at the gym or mm-hmm. a girl at the gym and Typically, for most guys, they don't have the experience to, or they don't get the experience of speaking with a woman at the gym, an attractive woman at that. Mm-hmm. And once they get that, they're like, okay, wow, she's showing interest in talking to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe she likes me. Yeah. And then you go up to her after a couple times talking to her at the gym, make her feel a little more comfortable, and you're mm-hmm. like, hey, I would really like to get some coffee with you. Yeah. Um, no, thank you. I'm not looking for a relationship. Well, we all know. She's not looking at a relationship with you. She's looking for a relationship with somebody else. Yeah. Just you're not her type, which yeah. is perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. But that pain that you get from it <clears throat> yeah. is like, this is never happening again. And then yeah. you just don't talk I'm to anybody. I'm not putting myself out ever again. Yeah, I'm not putting myself out yeah. ever again. Rejection <laughs> in any form, even if it's like, you know, completely acceptable, is, is painful. Oh, it's painful to yeah. a lot of people. It's painful to guys out there, which is why when I was talking with a girl about this the other day, actually, and oh, I still got this on you, sorry. I was talking to a girl about this the other day and I said, have you ever went up to a guy and asked him out? She's like, no, the guy's supposed to do that to me. I'm like, mm. do guys come up and do that to you? She goes, not really anymore. I'm like, 
do you turn them down a lot? She's like, well, I have before. I'm like, that's probably why. Like, mm. you know, you turn down mm. so many. It's it takes a lot. I said, could you? Do you think you ever could go up to a guy and talk to him? No. I'm like, well, that's how they feel about you. Like, because yeah. it is so difficult. But you get to a point where you get more comfortable. But it's that self doubt. Mm. But it's also knowing who you are as a person. Yeah. But it's it's also difficult. Like, mm. you know, you're trying to put yourself out there. You never know, which is why I think we have more in common than than. We know, mm-hmm. and which is why, like, you go to the gym. You're like, oh, I'll talk to them about fitness, mm-hmm. and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, whether whether it, it takes off or not. But you have an interesting story about your relationship because your girlfriend lives in France, right? Yep, she's French. She so. is French, and her name is Chloe. It is Chloe. Chloe. Yeah. So, how did you meet her? Talk about that. All right. So it's kind of a story. Um, so I guess, you know, we got time, so I'll get into it. Usually I give people like the the, the Spark Notes version, but like I said, I guess I can go into it. Yeah. So. Wait, let me see if I'm going to get coffee. You want to grab another drink at all? Because I can just cut this part out. Yeah. So Perfect. it's a, so I was studying abroad in France. I studied at Sciences Po X and Aix-en-Provence. Yeah, I said, I got to say it right. I, I had way too much education in French to not, you know, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like I said, it was a, in a study abroad program through Indiana University, and I was there for a year. So I'm there. I'd been there for a little bit, and I remember I went into the supermarket, and I was just like, you know, like getting my stuff. And then I hear, I hear two American girls struggling to find brown rice they're looking for brown rice they're speaking in english i know and like they're americans i can tell by the accent you know and they're looking for fun fact for the podcast is like so in french it's not called brown rice even when you translate it's called like complete rice le complet instead like they were looking for le marron which would be brown rice that doesn't exist it's le complet and so all i did was i went over and i was like hey i was like it's because you guys are looking for this, but you need to be looking for that. And then we found it and they're like, Oh, thanks. And you're like, <clears throat> they're like, how long you been here? And I was like, Oh, I've been here for a couple months. You know, we had to do some integration stuff. <clears throat> so we got there earlier than uh, some kids that were studying abroad at the same time. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I've been here for a little bit. And at that point I've already like had been going to my school for a little bit. And I had made like, we had an international group of friends. We, 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 we went out, had fun. And so we would go out like every Thursday or something, I think is what it was. And so I told them, I was like, yeah, like, you know, if you guys, cause they're like, we don't know anybody. We just got here. I'm like, yeah, just add me, like said, so add me on Instagram, you know, cause it's like the more, like I said, you know, instead of like exchanging numbers, it's kind of seen as a more like, you know, like neutral. Yeah. It's a more safer way for them. Yeah. You know, like don't want to come across too strong. Just like, yeah, yeah just add me on Instagram. And I'll add you back and I'll message you guys if we go out or something and you can join us and you can meet the international group and like some French people too that came with us. I was like, cool, cool, cool. So comes, come to find out. And they're like, one of the girls that one of the Americans, she was, she was from California. Um, so my girlfriend, before all this had studied had she did like an exchange in California for a little bit and so this was actually one of her friends like mutual friends mm-hmm. and so like the next day one, the girl from California and my girlfriend like now they met up to have a coffee right and so at some point I just got brought up in the conversation they say oh we met this American and you know we followed him on Instagram the other day and so like my girlfriend like she um so she added me 
And I remember specifically being like, you know, like, oh, yeah, like, I know this might be random. You don't know me, but I met, you know, I can't remember the California girl's name anymore. It was bad. I'm, you know, if she listens in, I'm so sorry. Um, but um, so she, um, she's like, yeah, we met, you know, like, oh, she, this is when she's met Mike, when Chloe is messaging me. She, uh, she was like, I'm, you don't know me, but I met with so-and-so the other day. And, you know, I just thought I'd add you to see if you wanted to hang out sometime. And I was just like, whoa, like that was you know, like, like kudos to you. Like, cause like that was most direct. I think I, a woman has ever been with me, you know, like wow. to like to add me and then sneak, like you said, creep into my DMS as the kids say. And then like, so yeah, yeah. So we went, we, uh, we went for a, a drink and like, you know, like met each other. And it was a funny story cause she went to the wrong place. And so it took time and, but we finally got it figured out. And this was in France. And this was in France. Okay. This is X. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, we hung out a couple times after that too. I was just in a point where like I was before too long. I knew I was going to have to go back to the U.S. because it's like this as the story goes along. You know, like it went from the start of the year to like very quickly being the end of the school year, and I was like a couple months out from you know going back. And so I was just like, yeah, I just don't you know I don't really want to like start anything, you know, serious because obviously I've got to leave. You know, like let's not get like too like I said too heavily involved because I think that it's just going to be you know like I said I was, I'm going to have to go back right so I was just like yeah I'm just not I'm not really looking for anything right now but we stayed friends you know because it was it was something that as you always should like you know communicate communication is so good like I said so I just told her where I was pretty early on and so that's how we got to stay friends because if I didn't and I let her along you know I don't know if we would be dating today you know so, um, so yeah, I went back to the U S I had one more year to complete my, uh, I had to like do one more year of my senior year of undergraduate studies at IU. I did that. And you know, so in between that time, like she and I, like, you know, we were like react to each other's Instagram stories and like, you know, exchange a message here and there, but nothing's like nothing, you know, substantial. But, um, after I graduated, I like, I knew that I wanted to take a gap year in between my undergraduate studies and going into my master's. I like, knew I wanted a little bit of time away from school. So I applied for a, um, a job with an organization called Tapif, which is teaching assistant position in France. So what I did was I got this, um, contract to go to France to be an assistant professor of English where I, I got put with, uh, uh, middle schoolers, right? Anywhere from what we would consider as sixth grade all the way to freshmen, freshmen. Okay, yeah. Sorry, Ugh. and so um, so I was teaching, and I was teaching in a completely different uh, city because I had been in Aix-en-Provence when we met. You know, she went with her. Like you know, the whole reason why she was there in the first place too was like, her brother was actually studying there. Funny enough, but um, but when I went back, I moved. When I was uh, working, I was living close to Montpellier, which is about two to three hours west. Like both places are pretty much south of southern France, um, pretty close to the Mediterranean. Um, but I was working in um, what? See, I was working in uh, Agde and Besson, and so I was like kind of commuting and whatever. But my friends worked like in Montpellier. The whole district was like ran with it, like the city of Montpellier. And so I, we would go there to like hang out in Montpellier. And so I was there like one night and uh, we were at the bars and like I posted a story on my Instagram of being there. And then she messages me. She's like, are you in Montpellier? And I was like, yeah. I was like, are you? And she's like, yeah. She's like, I'm going to school here now. 
And I was like, that's weird. And I was like, well, we'll have to like, you know, catch up at some point or whatever. If you want to, um, just let me know. And so she ended up coming out with us one night and like, you know, of course the time that we're trying to catch up, everybody wanted to go to like the loudest bar possible. So, and I have never like, you know, like no matter what age I was, I've never been a loud bar person. I really just go like to some place where like maybe some like some like light hole in the walls. Yeah. And like yeah. light music maybe, mm-hmm. but you can still talk, you know, and have a drink and just like, you know, whatever. I, I, I go for more for the community, like the, the, the conversation than I do anything else. And so like, we didn't really get to talk much, but I remember, like I said, I ended up like walking her back to her place, pouring rain. It was horrible. Like it was like rain buckets, but, you know, nothing happened. Like it was just like, we caught up a little bit and she, you know, went back to her apartment. And then I, like I said, we had gotten an Airbnb that night in Montpellier. So I went back to that. And then I remember like after that, I was just, I had messaged her something. I don't remember exactly what I said. But I remember she pretty much more or less left me on red after that. And I was like, okay, like that's, that stinks. And like a couple months go by and like she still hasn't replied. But I was like, you know, at this point I was just like kind of like working and doing my own thing. Didn't think like think too much of it. And then, then she finally like messaged me back with this long message. Like, hey, just lots been going on, you know, blah, blah, blah. For a few months? Yeah. Good Lord, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I think like I said, there was just like a lot of things going on in her life where she oh, had yeah. to focus on rather than, you know, anything. And like, she even told me earlier, like later on, she's like, yeah, I wasn't interested. I was just like, you know, like I just emotionally, I was trying to deal with some stuff and, you know, like, you know, completely cool. Um, but anyway, she's like, you know, like I was actually and at this point when she messages me back, I remember I was in Bordeaux because I had some friends also from Indiana University that were doing the same mm-hmm. thing I was, but in Bordeaux, so a couple hours away. And we got together for Thanksgiving and everything and had it in France because, you know, nobody celebrates it. As I tell my mother, every time I'm living overseas, she's like, why are you guys having Thanksgiving today? I'm like, mom, I'm not in the U.S. Only (laughs) us and the Canadians celebrate that. And the Canadians celebrate it in October. It's crazy. (laughs) Um, So anyway, um, so she she messages me this long message, you know, explaining like the situation. And I just remember thinking like, don't act desperate. And so I like, don't reply for like a couple days, you know, just like giving her some of her own medicines, so to speak at the mm-hmm. time is what it felt like. I was like, oh, I was being kind of like, I'll reply when I get to it, you know, <laughs> let her think about it. And then I finally replied and they were like, you know, like she's, she, you know, had been apologetic and nice about it. So I was like, okay, I was like, well, we'll go, you know, maybe get something. It was, it was around Christmas time. And so the big thing, you know, like, I don't know if you ever had mold wine, but they have like they have the, all these like little like they have these Christmas markets and they'll have mold wine. I was like, yeah, let's go get some mold wine. It's a like just means hot wine in French. And so we're like, yeah, cool, that'd be great. And then we so I go back to Montpellier, but I'm leaving the next day to go back to the U.S. for Christmas because it's like a week before that, and I like had finished my last day of the year for work, and I had to be back until they have their vacations are so long in France, and it's so amazing. That's what I've heard. Oh my god. Uh, we'll, we can get into that too. But, um, so like I had a lot of time off and so I was just like, I was going to go back for a couple of weeks. Um, so I remember, like I said, we went out and like, I remember my friend coming, I was like, can I come with, like, you know, we care if I come with, you know, I was like, is it, you know, like you guys on a date? I'm like, no, 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 we're just friends. Like, you know, like just catching up. So go ahead and come out. Cause I didn't expect anything. I didn't know what I was, you know, what was going to happen. You know, like I knew I was interested, but I was like also trying to be a, like a gentleman to the best mm-hmm. of my ability and just like let the night go as it did. So, but ended up, you know, that 
I had my la- like the last train out of Montpellier to get back to where I actually lived was coming, and so I was like, "Oh, I gotta get going." So she walked me like to outside, like close to the train station, and then I remember like uh, like so we just like look that that weird moment that like, they don't talk about, you know, like when you're growing up, like it was like but that weird moment that before you kiss, we're just kind of like looking at each other, like, "Are we about to kiss?" <laughs> and um, and we did. You know, and then I had to like in a kind of like scenic thing where like it's kind of raining. I have to like run to get catch my train because I was like behind on time because we had like, you know, um, like I said, we were a little like running a little bit behind. I was running behind. She wasn't. And so I remember how, like kissing her and being like, you know, I'll see you when I get back. And then running in in the rain in like a, a French town to go get my my train and then That's take it back. Every movie, yeah, about love and romance. Yeah, and so more or less, I went back to the U.S. And then I remember being like, I don't know what's going on in my in my my, my, my love life. I don't know like what we are at this point. Um, and so there's like a weird two week limbo where I'm just like, we didn't really talk that much either. I remember that because. I think we hadn't figured out how to talk really across like out like when I was in the US, you know, that's something we mastered along the lines, you know, later. But then getting back to France and then we hung out like I think it was like one more time and they're like, Yeah, we're together and that was four years ago. So So you've had a longest rela- relationship for now four years. Yeah. So I so the first what, six months or so oh, that we were together, would it be six months? More or less, like we lived together in my apartment in Marseillon, where's where I was living, and then, um, then I had to go back to the U.S. and then I ended up moving back, coming back to France. There had there, there was a my landlord was actually getting married, and we got invited to the wedding, so I came back for to France. But at that time, I'd already been accepted for my master's in Geneva. So I was just like using it. I was going to come back for a couple weeks there. Did you learn any like Swiss German while out in Switzerland? You know, I wish I had learned. Like I said, I know a little bit of German, like especially having lived in Geneva that even though it's on the French side, like mostly everything in the supermarkets is marked in French and German because okay. it's the market like they're, they're distributing to the whole country. So it makes sense. But I like I said I don't know as much German as I would like to it's a weird language Swiss German, especially if you ask yes. any German person. They will tell you that like Swiss German is weird to them yes. and they don't Actually, always understand it. Germany and Switzerland. Yeah, really? Yeah, I'll show you actually. Because a buddy of mine's from there. Okay. And, uh, oh, that's my trash can. <laughs> so a buddy of mine's from Switzerland, and he brought me these patches. He's a volunteer firefighter out there. The other Ooh. guy is a firefighter at another place in uh, Ville El Chrem. I don't know. Is that one? That one's German. Weile am Rhein. Oh, Rhein. That sounds better. Mm. And then this is a fire for fire, fire via, that. <laughs> There's that one. Fire, it's like fire. It's, it's volunteer firefighter. I yeah, think. yeah. And then this one's Hochfeld. That's what he told me. I'm still learning these though. It's, it's weird. Hochfeld, Yeah. Okay, I didn't know how to say like if yeah. So fly. Because there's differences in dialect for Swiss German and then German. Yeah. And then that's another one. Oh, these are super cool. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. He brought me those. So he he, uh, he brought me that and brought me actually a – my brother bought me that when he was in Switzerland, that knife over there. That's actually a knife from Switzerland. Oh, so the whole box is in 
Yeah. Is in France and all that. Victoria. Yeah. It's like a soup, like great mark. I mean, great brand. Mark is the French word for brand. Yes. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, but he brought me some cool stuff, and then I signed. He had an American flag that I signed. I felt weird signing it, mm-hmm. and I was like, for one, I'm not. A, I'm a nobody, and I'm yeah. signing the American flag. You're an American. Like, I'm an American. And yeah. he's, when I talked with him, like, so what was the patriotism like? And real, just real quick, then we'll get back to your your girlfriend stuff. But what was the patriot tra- patriotism like in France for French people? Were they like so? American. I've always thought of the French, and I think this is also why French and Americans tend to butt heads quite quite a bit. Or like the French are just like the Americans of Europe, more or less. Really? There is like a very strong sense of like there's a, a, a it's not always boiling at the top kind of like a patriotism, but it is like un, like underlying mm-hmm. in a way that like if you like you know if you're an outsider and you make fun of France, like they're not going to take it well. But if like French people like rag on their country all the time kind of like an americans yeah. you know like you're like oh this is going to pots because of this but if somebody else is like u.s sucks and they're not from here you're just like yeah. it changes the dynamic oh, yeah. right We're you're like eat them all <laughs> you're like now i have to be patriotic because <laughs> we're I gotta, all gonna turn into omnivores bro yeah exactly like you have to like you you, you switch really quickly because like yeah. you know like i you know like we like i said it's easy to complain about your own country but mm-hmm. when somebody else does it you're like you don't get to talk about it that way <laughs> You know, or somebody like you know, like beats up one of your siblings. You're like, only I get to beat up I on him. I can only kick the shit out of my brother. Yeah, no exactly. one else can. <clears throat> Nobody else. Yeah, because when I talked to my buddy from Swiss Germany or from Switzerland, he he was saying, I said, "What's the differences?" And he goes, in his heavy dialect or his accent, mm-hmm. he was talking about how um, the patriotism. He said, just people here will die. A regular guy in the street will die for his country, but you go anywhere else uh, mm-hmm. where I'm from, people don't. Mm-hmm. care like they just don't mm-hmm. and he's like it's just he was it's really cool and it's admirable to see everyone who loves the country that lives in the country yeah that's great and like there is a sense that also as like the the swiss are very much on their own kind of little island not not mm-hmm. literally on an island but they're like you know they're they're not really a part of much things other than like maybe economic groups mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they don't have like any mutual defense packs really with anybody. Like, you know, like they're, that's why their defense system is amazing. You know, they, and they also, they have a great geographical location all, you know, surrounded by mountains and there's only mm-hmm. so many ways to get in. And that's why like, you always hear about like, Oh yeah, the Swiss have like all their bridges ready to blow <laughs> if anything happens. And like, there's, there's some truth to that. Yeah. And then everybody, so the Swiss do it a little bit differently too, is like you, you everybody like had more or less. I want to say like I don't want to say everybody has guns because that's not true. Because like no, not all Americans have guns, mm-hmm. but they do, probably do have a higher per capita of like you know gun per person than most like uh, if not all the, European countries. Yeah, because but of the, how small they are. Well, and it's it's more of the fact that like, but their rules are different. You can own guns, mm-hmm. but you, like they said, there's like limited or no ammunition that you oh, can that keep sucks. with you. Yeah. So, but it's like, that's why like they're always ready to defend themselves though too, because if somebody's attacking them as a country, they'll start handing out munitions and everybody has the guns. I can, I can see and agree with that to a point, but mm. knowing the government and how they do with dispersing stuff, mm. I wouldn't want to count on them to give me a disperse uh, ammunition to me. I'd rather just have a few thousand. Oh my goodness. Lila. <laughs> Sorry, my do- oh, and I haven't even switched the camera over. Sorry, my dog's coughing right in front of me. Um, 
I wouldn't want to count on the government to like hand me munitions on anything because mm-hmm. I know how they do with everything else. Yeah, very so, inefficient. Yeah, like extremely you, inefficient. But if, but you're, if your population yeah, yeah, smaller. Yeah, so that makes more sense. If it works for them, mm-hmm. it works for them. Yeah, because um, you can go, you can still go to like gun ranges and they'll give you ammunition to shoot. It's just you can't take any ammunition like home with you. That's the way that they put it. Yeah. So it's kind of like I'm this weird hybrid there, yeah. like middle ground. It's like not that they don't have guns. Yeah. It's just that it's more of a question of the munitions. Yeah. Well, there's the argument. Good Lord, Lila. <laughs> Sorry guys, whoever's watching on video, she's a dis- she's disrupting this whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's a whole argument on that too because I had this discussion with him on like act like school shooters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, so what do you think about school shootings here in America? And he's like, well, back in my country, like it may- you guys make it seem like or it makes it seem like it happens every day everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's like, but it, living here, it doesn't. He's mm-hmm. like, it's really rare if it happens. He goes, yeah. we have acts of terrorism in our country. Mm-hmm. He's like, but it's just there's, and he even said to himself, he goes, it's more, my country's so homogenized, we're all the same. Yeah. So there's no differences, mm-hmm. therefore there's no acts of terror happening like that. Yeah. And it's not that the more races you get in, the more acts of terror. It's just mm. the difference of ideas that come in America. The United States is the only country like it is in the mm. whole entire world, like to the level that it's at. Yeah. And he talked about the more homogenized a society is, the less violent a society is. We well, yeah, like, That's interesting to think about. Well, it all comes down to like basic, like psychological mm-hmm. warfare. Like if there's an us versus them, there's an us versus them, then obviously there's something to fight against. But if if you, like I said, don't have an othering of people, then like what are you really fighting against? You know, so homogeny brings people together. And it's 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 also why and then, you know, for better or for worse, and a lot of times it's actually been bad, is that when it when when homogeneity is, is created organically in a country, it's great. But a lot of the times when the country tries to force homogeny is yeah. when you'll also see it break. You know, you can look at like, you know, what happened to Native Americans getting, you know, like how they put them in, like got rid of their native names, you know, put them in schools and try to make them, you know, to like fit the bill better of like what they wanted them to be versus letting them organically be it. Right. Yeah. There's there's good argument on that, too. But I agree. Like you can't force an arm on somebody. Mm-hmm. You can't twist their arm and say, <laughs> Twist their arm, or you give them an Indian rug burn. Yeah, uh, but you can't force their arm and say you have to go to school. Yeah, like my personal opinion on public education, I don't like it. Mm. I do not like public education. Mm-hmm. It the you look at the scores of children today, it is drastically lower. Mm-hmm. The only reason why they can keep scores up higher, and the reason why I know this stuff, is because my buddy, a friend of mine, was the president of a school. Yeah, or on the school board, and I learned a lot of this stuff. The reason why the school score the scores are so high is because they're not testing. Is at a level that they used to. Yeah, it's it's completely changed, mm-hmm. and I disagree with that. I think it should be harder, which is why I agree more with private schools and mm-hmm. the, the uh, charter schools. I agree more with those, and also uh, students tend kids tend to do better um, with the one on one care that they get from homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And those kids, statistically speaking, were going to be getting a higher SAT score and have a higher chance of grad- going to college and graduating from college. Mm-hmm. But I think it comes down to there's too many kids in class for a teacher to focus on. There's not enough resources. That's that's exactly what there's it comes not enough to. resources yes. for our pu- like the public schools. And like you know, I think for me, I think education is why we have a lot, or lack thereof, is why we have a lot of problems that we do have that are getting exacerbated over time in our Mm -hmm. country. You know, it's 
this lack of education and lack of resources. We're not we're not investing enough in our infrastructure to help create better citizens, more or less. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, there's like there is a part that's going to be personal. Like you personally have to try, you personally have to do this. Yeah. But if you don't have the like you know it, it creates it makes it much harder if the environment isn't conducive to learning or there's not the resources that would really help the kids to learn if they don't have that then they're going to be less likely to do so yeah. right and, you know because when you th- you think about like you know like that's the thing especially in indiana we have a lot of problems with like just like how much you p- don't get me wrong like there's like some having gone through public school you know like i was raised k through 12 public school yeah. right so was i so there were definitely like teachers were like this teacher's just an asshole and like mm-hmm. does like shouldn't have their job but tenure keeps them there right mm-hmm. and but there was also on the other hand there was teachers who were like if they give this teacher more resources all the good that they could do with it like the reason why I got like so enamored with the French language and like French studies and international things was because my French teacher was amazing like Mr. Price like. I said, if you ever listen to this, like, thank you so much. Like, you had such a big impact on my life because you were such a good teacher. You made it so much fun. And I learned so much from him, right? And, and we're talking about, like, this is Morristown, Indiana, right? We, there's talking, we're like, everybody is, is very homogenous to talk about, like, homogeneity is that, you know, everybody kind of like believes the same things. And there's not anything wrong with that. But when it came to try to being, uh, you know, influenced or not even influenced, but like to be, um, to learn things about other cultures and other places, other languages, there's not really much access to it. Or even just like, you know, be like uh, just other th- ways of thought, just like to like be, you know, like to experience those. There's not, you like, just like, we're all kind of conservative white mm-hmm. farmer types. And once again, nothing wrong with that completely. But like, like having been in his class and like learning, there was like kind of like a, more out there and I, how like I could actually access it. I didn't have to just live and die in the same hole in Morristown. Like changed my whole perspective on everything. I was just like, oh, I kind of was like, just like maybe I'm not going to believe like so much like what these people believe, but I at least want to talk to them about it and like you know see how they feel and what they like why you know like that was cool mm-hmm. and like he brought that and brought that in, and they made it real into my world. And so like teachers can do that. Teachers can inspire you like you know as much as like your parents can. And so like to think that you know there's maybe these teachers out there. That can do that, and don't get me wrong. I bet they, if they are truly like in spot, like they're inspirational teachers, they're doing probably a lot with the little things that they have. But just imagine how much good they could do if they had more resources. And to think about that, if they had more resources, what are some of the ways that they can get more? Well, one of those ways, and you can look at this like I looked at this locally at my own school that I grew up in in Greenwood. Yeah, and I was like, I wonder what the salaries are because someone's like, teacher salary salaries are insanely small, and I'm like. Oh, let's see how small they are. Mm-hmm. I went and looked, and I saw six-figure salaries mm-hmm. for teachers that I had. Yeah. Then I saw for the newer teachers, thirty-three to thirty-five thousand. When I looked at this, it was also five years ago. Yeah. So adjust for whatever the inflation is. Yeah. But it was thirty-five thousand dollars for a teacher. The same teacher doing the same exact thing is getting paid six figures, mm-hmm. and that was because of tenure. Yep. So tenure really steals a lot of money away mm-hmm. from the new teachers coming in for the mm-hmm. first however many years it takes to build up. Is it 10 years to build I, into 10 years? 10 or 12 years, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. They build in for tenure. And I've had a discussion with the teacher before. They said if tenure wasn't a thing, 
or at least they decreased it a little bit, you can take that same money and bring it in towards salaries for newer teachers to come in and it can even build off from that. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's making more money doing the same exact thing. That's where I disagree with public public education. Mm-hmm. I You should have like longevity. Like I, I do agree with longevity, mm-hmm. but like, um, with that is performance grading. Mm-hmm. Like if your grading is going down and mm-hmm. make teaching, don't make teaching easy, make it hard. Because like they're there for a reason. They're there because mm-hmm. they have a passion for it. Yeah. Like if my job, if I start performing worse and worse at my job, guess what will happen? I'll get fired yeah. because people are going to die. Yeah. If a teacher's doing the same thing in the long run, lives will be lost mm-hmm. and families will be crushed because there's just there's nothing there that they're providing these kids. Well, and just opportunities will be and opportunities will be will be let down and yeah. not even taken. Yeah, I wouldn't be who I am today without some of the teachers that I had that made an impact mm-hmm. on me. You know, and I'm sure that's created. I, I can't say which opportunities that's created, like, you know, in a more. Uh, you wouldn't have met Chloe. Wouldn't have met if Chloe. If you didn't have uh, Mr. Price. Exactly. Like I said that's exactly correct. Like, because mm-hmm. I would have never gone on that trip my junior year to France and been like, whoa, <laughs> there's so much more out there. You know, like, I would have never had that moment. So, yeah. Let's talk about today's dating world. I mean, obviously, you're not, you're in, you've got a girlfriend, but you're not in it. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I've noticed a lot of is there are so many girls out there that are like the influencer types, mm-hmm. the model types on Instagram and all mm-hmm. of that. Like, I don't think it's fair. My personal opinion, I notice this a lot at the gym. I don't think it's fair for any girl from the ages of, let's say, 18, because obviously that's where the age are supposed to be in their gym, 18 to 25, 26, like saying, I'm a fitness model. Like, no, you're not. Hmm. You're 18 to 25. Like, that's hmm. the range that you're supposed to look similar to that. Like, it's hmm. easy to look like that. Hmm. Unless you went from a weight transmission trans, uh, transition from being really overweight or extremely, you know, hmm. underweight to a healthier weight, which... If you did that, I applaud you on that. I mm. find that impressive. Mm. But if you've always been around the same average, but you're just taking better angled pictures, mm. I don't, I don't know. Like, how does that make you feel? Because it kind of really irks me when I see that. I think that it's something that I don't uh, think about too much in well, a way. Yeah, because you got to go for it. Well, no, not even in that way, too. But of course, in that way, Chloe, yeah, if you're listening. Um, but no, it's like one of those things that, like, the people that know better mm-hmm. know. Right. And like those are the only people that I really care like to like, you know, to like work with or like, you know, be seen with is because like the people there's a lot of, you know, and like, don't get me wrong. Like if you're 18 and 25, you have a a fitness account and, you know, maybe you've always looked the same way you do. But it's if if it's in some way keeping you more accountable, if it's keeping you accountable and like I said, and it's something that you have a passion for and maybe like this is just the beginning of your journey. Great. Right. But present it as that, you know, be, be always be genuine. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the problem is and this is why, like now people that I've like started to take my like my uh, social media a little bit more uh, seriously are starting to call me an influencer. I'm like, I don't really like that term because I feel like the way it's thrown around and the way I, the, the, a lot of people I see that are truly influencers and that's what they do in life. Mm-hmm. And like this isn't everybody, but there is like a there is a certain percentage of them. It's like they don't really know what they're talking about and then they're not really helping people because a lot of people are following what they're saying, but they're kind of being led astray by people that are more confident than they are accurate Mm -hmm. or more like more, like I said, more outspoken than they are truthful because that's something that whether it's the media, whether it's just like I said, social media, whatever, any kind of like media in itself, 
is that people tend to listen to people that are more confident about what they're saying. It goes kind of like, and it goes back to like the Dunning Kruger effect that we were talking about a little bit too. Is like sometimes some of the people that are the most confident in what they're saying know the least about it. Mm-hmm. But if you're confident and you're like loud and outspoken about it, it draws attention because you know there's no such thing as like bad press, right? In oh, a way, yeah. you know, like any any way to get your name out there can you know. You know, it, it helps you, I guess, in a way you have to fight off. You know, but if that's what you want to be, if you want to be perceived like as the, the villain, but you're still like known, even though you are the villain. Right. Mm-hmm. And some people would say that that's still going to generate revenue um, because it's all about shock value in a way. You can just wait, look at the way that the media has, you know, advertisements. You know, it's like if blood, I if we talk about bad. this, huh? Blood cells. Blood cells, yeah. yeah. Everybody loves dirty laundry, right? Well, I mean, look at the recent cases. Someone just brought this up to me at work yesterday. So Damar Hamlin, I don't follow Hamlin, sports. like Damar, uh, Ham- what happened Hamlin with the Buffalo Bills player? Collapsed and mm-hmm. went to cardiac arrest. Did you hear about the football player that saved three kids? Mm-mm. There's a football player that saved three kids. He was in like ICU. Mm-hmm. There was another retired football player that did something else spectacular. But yeah. no one knows anything about it. Yeah, because it absorbed all the oxygen in the it, area. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and like, don't get me wrong. That's not like that's not that that, that player. What the guy's name was? I, I think it's Demar Hamlin. I think it's something along those lines. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Don't at me if I'm wrong. I'm not sorry about it. Uh, I don't know yeah. sports. But it's like I said, it's not his fault that he you know had a cardiac no, arrest. No, it's not. You know, like and absorbed all the oxygen, but. Like the media knows that you're going to tune into that. Right. And don't get me wrong. Like, you know, it's cool to cover that because, you know, he's recovering. He's safe. We love that. You know, like Mm -hmm. whatever, nothing, nothing bad about that at all. It's just that the media knows that they're going to make money off that, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not for a, um, it's, it's all, there's always a catch. There's always a reason. It's not, it's not a hundred percent for some kind of, uh, philanthropic, you know, reason that they're they're covering it so much. They're like, wow, people are really tuning into this story, and so they're gonna push it because that's what media is, you know. In a way, you have to be like, well, I guess you know, that's the same thing as like a business corporation that you know sells munitions. You're like maybe those get used and against people that you know that shouldn't, they're innocent, but you know that's their business, you know, like you know, like hands off kind of situation. But and even though there's like people that are implicated, um, but that's that's just how it is, unfortunately. You well, know, there's even businesses that will hire. There's businesses. Let's so a buddy of mine gave me this uh, conspiracy theory that I think is kind of plausible. So take Gillette, mm-hmm. the shaving company, the best a man can get. The best. I personally no, not I just, sponsored here. Yeah, though, they're are not we? sponsored. They will never be sponsored. Here. <laughs> never, because they were they did that whole toxic masculinity commercial. They're mm. like, oh, boys will be boys. I'm like, I am, I am a boy. Like, mm. Uh, but yeah, I don't um, now. Walther Firearms <clears throat> and Nutella. If Nutella wants to sponsor me, oh my god, I love Nutella. Yep, and Nutella but, also reach out to my 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 people. If uh, I don't have people, but <laughs> reach out to <laughs> wait. If I get people, reach out to them or just just uh, you know email me paulcaldwell twenty one twenty one at gmail dot com. <laughs> Nutella, please hit me up. I love to tell you, I put it on everything. It's so good. But there's a, there's a, th- a theory that uh, like Gillette started these other smaller crappier shaving companies mm-hmm. to take away if the ones that they weren't grasping because people who don't want to buy Gillette, they'll buy whatever other brand mm-hmm. they buy their brand and then they start a feud with each other. And now they're getting twice the revenue coming in from the people that hate them and the people that love them. Mm-hmm. Well, there's companies that do that all the time. There's businesses that do that all the time. Mm-hmm. There's politicians that sell their own hate merch because mm-hmm. they'll make just as much money off of it. And I'm like, that's such a great way mm-hmm. 
to make to extra money and to capitalize on that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's, it just stems back whether you believe in what that company's saying or not. If you, you think they're the villain or the hero because of it, they're profiting off of you in either way. Yeah. Because if you're like, I hate this company, and you're like talking about it on social media and just like kind of like echoing something yeah. and talking about them, the more you talk about, the best way. To like to really like I said first obviously don't buy their products if you don't believe in the company mm-hmm. second off just don't talk about them like that's the thing is like when people are like oh did you hear this thing about this this celebrity or whatever and like and I don't like them I'm like nope and I just kind of <laughs> leave it at that I'm like I'm not gonna rant about it on social media because what you're doing is you're giving them more attention mm-hmm. which is exactly what they want like what I just did with Gillette <laughs> yeah we'll have to cut that part out we'll have to cut that well, part out I don't want to just I'll like, bleep that word yeah you just have to refer to it as like the company that will not be named you know very like Voldemort esque um, but anyway I guess we went on a tangent but we, we, were, we, talking about, we were talking about dating in a, like I said yeah. it, fitness influencers yeah. yeah so it's like the you know, it's like the opinions that I said that I value we'll see people that are like you know not doing it for the right reasons or like are kind of like you know presenting themselves as something that they're not being ingenuine uh, I don't know ingenuine or ungenuine uh, ingenuine I'm going to go with Let's let's create a word. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and um, they'll see that for what it is, and like that's mm-hmm. that's fine. So it's the people that are like, oh my gosh, you know, can you believe? Like you know, like do you follow this person? I'm like, no, you know, like I'm like, yeah, because they're not like really about it or whatever. And like to some degree, like don't get me wrong, maybe I am a phony to some people, and that's that's fine. Like I I enjoy what I do and what I put out there and I, I feel, you know, but it's the well, intention behind what you're posting. It's not like, look mm-hmm. at me. You can accomplish this if you do these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're never going to get, you're never going to get my sculpting cream, right. Yeah. To like, to like lose uh, belly fat because I don't believe that that shit works. You know, like mm-hmm. there could be an argument that, like, you know, like maybe it like heats up your core and the heat brings more blood to the area, which you know, like, but like, if we're talking about like, I'm going to tell you is like, okay, maybe that does do something a little bit, but that's, that's knock off the things that are most like, you know, like most important in the first place. Are you sleeping enough? Are you eating? the Like I so said, are your macros on point? Is your diet right? And like, are, and then, then third, like, are you working out? Are you active? Then we can talk about the sculpting cream and whether or not that's like, but those like three things aren't being taken care it's of a first foundation to have. Yeah. Those are. Because people need to understand that supplements are called supplements for a reason because they supplement. They are not the whole thing. They're like, they are far from it. You can like supplement them in and they might have an added effect to whatever you're trying to doing. But if you're not laying the foundation, like the important thing is like sleeping correctly diet like i say i don't even want to say diet but proper nutrition because diet is something that people are like i'm going to go on a diet for two weeks and that's going to solve everything no have a lifestyle nutritional like aspect towards it and it, you'll be place that you'll have way more success with it but like do those things and then you can worry about the supplements and like they will like i said they the efficacy depends on the supplement creatine and caffeine are the most like i said the two big ones i tell everybody like most studied most shown to, like I said, have a positive effect on whatever you're trying to do, like I said, as far as like fitness and like, you know, an active lifestyle in the gym. Everything else is kind of like A to F rating. I mean, like, sorry, like B to F rating because A is caffeine and uh, creatine, right? And everything else after that, like that's, it's up in the air. There'll be conflicting, um, conflicting research on both sides for a lot of that stuff. And then a lot of those 
those the good research on the most bullcrap stuff comes from the actual company that's putting it out there. So that's right. check your methodologies, guys. Well, even looking at like studies, because I, I was talking with one of my physical therapists about it, and I don't think she listens to these anyway. I don't think she's even interested in mm. anything that I have to say, which is okay. But maybe she, she'll tune in now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she will. Um, but we talked about um, like studies with like. Um, Deep, uh, deep water, uh, cold water immersion. Mm-hmm. And like my, the studies that I've read show that it's got a lot of positive effects. This is a the very body. hot topic right now. It's yeah. a very hot topic. Mm-hmm. And I've been, you know, obviously, like I said earlier, I've been doing it for over a year now and a year and two months. And I've noticed so many differences in my life. Um, one biggest aspect of it is if I'm doing cold water immersion from one to three minutes, mm-hmm. that's just for my mood. That's mm. just straight up depression, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Am I diagnosed with those? No. Do yeah. I get depressed sometimes? Do I get anxious sometimes? Yeah. So I just yeah. hop in the water and I feel better afterwards. Yeah. But when I had that discussion with her and was talking about some of the scientific more stuff with it, she's like, well, what are your resources? Are they accredited sources? And I'm like, accredited by who? Mm. And she's like, by, and she's naming all these colleges. And I'm like, yeah. Like you can't just go off of just what colleges say about it or mm. the collegiate studies that are being done on it because yeah. those professors have certain, they're certain donors. Uh, they have certain donors that pay towards their, their college mm-hmm. funds. Now, let's go ahead and their college funds, their salaries or their college for their whatever their program is. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and say that you can do cold water immersion. You just go out to the creek behind your yard and just dip into it. Mm-hmm. And that's going to help with inflammation in the body. It's going to help with increasing dopamine levels and, 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 and other levels in the body right now. But if you take this medication that I have that decreases inflammation, it's going to cost, I'm going to make hundreds of millions of dollars off of it. I want you to push for that. It's mm. so much easier to do that. Well, Purdue just got popped for this stuff a couple of years ago. You know, the, Did they really? Well, there was a big lawsuit um, with, I say, because Big Pharma is a, a very large big issue. Big huge. It's a very large issue. It's a huge issue. And, you know, even if, like, from whatever aisle of the conversation you're coming from politically, like, it's something to definitely pay attention to. Um, because they got in trouble like for helping push, I want to say like, uh, like I said, opiates. So like I said, Mm painkillers, you know, like had, and, uh, like I said, paying off, I don't, I don't know exactly how the money was funneled, but like money was getting to, um, doctors to like, you know, they're not like, cause it's always, you know, it's, it's always going to be hard. Like the paper trail is going to be hard to follow, but more or less the way I understand it. And I might be wrong and feel free to correct me. Anybody, like I said, I remember ignorance is, you know, we're all ignorant yeah. to a certain degree. So let's just try to learn. Um, but the way I understand it is that the pharmaceutical companies were helping funnel money towards doctors so that they would more easily prescribe opiates yes for paint like i said painkillers and it was always like you know like oh you know like obviously they would have like a reason to have them but over like prescribing like you know like being a little bit too like you know like uh, trigger happy with giving it out because the more prescriptions they make the more you know like i said the more um, the more money that the, the doctors get and then they can get they can pay for their vacations on it that's something that's become more widely known that a lot of doctors will push for certain medications and i had a doctor i think god he retired mm-hmm. but he was pushing for um 
nerve blocking agents for me. And yeah. I said, I will not take them. He goes, well, this is the only way that it'll help you. I'm like, this can't be the only way. Yeah. And he would not let me change. I had to go to another doctor to yeah. get a second opinion. Yeah. And then Which I you should always do. Always, always go, go get like get a second opinion. opinion on. I mean, obviously, like, you know, you got a broken finger or something like it's you just get you don't need fixed. a second opinion on a broken yeah, finger. <laughs> but like more things like getting nerve blockers or something. Feel yeah. free. Like Any say, type of medication. Always get a second <coughs> opinion. And yes. Always look up your own side effects of what mm. it is. Because the doctor is not going to tell you what it is yeah. most of the time. But that doctor told me, he goes, oh, that's probably because he gets kickback. I'm like, what are you talking about? Kickback. Yep. That's he gets a, he gets a kickback from the pharmaceutical company. And a friend of mine that I knew for a while was a pharmaceutical rep. And she mm. sold a lot of drugs to people. And she's gorgeous. And they've got to be. Mm. And she goes, oh, yeah, these doctors will get kickbacks. And they get vacations. Like to Cancun or Aruba or Jamaica. Yeah. These companies send them out there. But so, like, think about this. So we were just talking about with Purdue. Think about this, too. The large one of the largest loss, the largest healthcare fraudulent settlement was two point three billion dollars that they had, this company had to pay out yeah. back in around two thousand nine, and it was for fraudulent marketing. Mm-hmm. It was the company Pfizer. Pfizer had to pay that out. Now, obviously, we know about Pfizer with recent activities mm-hmm. with what they just did. Mm-hmm. But if they did that just recently in two thousand nine, and they had to pay that out as the largest, mm-hmm. you know, you have to look at the history of something. That's all I'll say on it. Yeah. But that's what I like to look at on things. Yeah. And that was fraudulent marketing that went on for years. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then, like I said, it's it's all, I mean, like they said, all of the big companies do it. It's kind of like the same yeah, way I, I see big, like, a pol- politics, like politicians. Yeah. is like, if I feel like, I, I ask myself, like, to get to a certain, you know, like, level in a hierarchy, in a cutthroat environment, like, how much of your soul do you have to sell to get to mm-hmm. that point? Or, like, whether you're looking at a corporation or like a politician, it's kind of like, it's almost, it's two sides of the same coin to me. It's like, you know, I've, I very, like, unless it's like something very altruistic or, you know, philanthropic in itself, I tend to doubt the bigger things, the bigger companies or the bigger politicians, because I'm like, how'd you get there? Mm-hmm. You know? And like, what's the history behind it? Look at it? their net worth before and after they were president. Yeah. Which is, I will say <clears throat> this, whether you like him or not. Donald Trump lost over a billion dollars. Yeah, going in from going in from president like a four point five billion to coming out at he lost maybe two billion. I'll have to look it up again, but he lost money going into presidency. Mm-hmm. Every other most recent president has gained in their net worth after mm-hmm. becoming president with a four hundred thousand dollars salary. Yeah, that's what blows my mind. A lot of politicians, I can't stand that. I think they're. I mean. We could we could do another podcast on 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 policies and oh, yeah. politics because that's a discussion to be had for a long time. We would probably agree on a lot of things. Well, that's the thing is like what we've talked about off camera is just like we don't come from like the similar same uh, side of the aisle, but we're not into like like to party politics. Yeah, you know because it's it's. You know, I don't even like, I'm more right leaning, but I don't even like Republicans. Yeah. And I admitted that to you earlier. Yeah. I don't like Democrats because I, yeah. well, I like their people, but like, I don't like their policies. Yeah. But I also, same thing with Republicans. Mm-hmm. I lean more, I'm a constitutionalist more mm-hmm. or less than a conservative. Mm-hmm. I think that people should be left alone, um, but constitutionally left alone. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why I lean towards that. But also, you know. Not having a criminal who you know was raping a bunch of people, being put in prison for the rest of his life, I think a a dollar eighty nine bullet will fix that problem because the mm. guy's never gonna do it again. Yeah, that's my for uh, that's just my opinion on stuff. Mm. Whether you know it's right or wrong on that. Yeah, yeah. Somebody to commit a crime like that, especially against children, that's buried underneath uh, buried underneath railroad tracks. 
But some people were like, oh, he should be reformed and this and that. Might like, if that was your child, yeah, that's that, the would thing. you want him to be reformed? Or that's the thing. And that's I was a, that's a really tough position to be put in. Too. I would. I was talking to one of my buddies who is, you know. Just put it like he's because, uh, like I said, I I would be considered a progressive. Like I don't, I don't really. I, I, like I said, that's just because of like the way I live my life. I guess it has nothing really to do about how I see other people that are quote unquote conservative. Because I have many friends that are conservative. You happen to be one. Thank you. For because it's not about it's not about like it's not like it's not so much always about what you believe is how you implement it in your life. Yeah. Right. You know, like your beliefs are important to a certain degree, but like I said, if you're an asshole about, even if you're right, you're still an asshole. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And so way. it's like, and it's always been because my buddy, like, he's a huge um, Ron. Is it Ron DeSantis? Ron DeSantis, yeah, huge Ron DeSantis fan. And don't get me wrong, like, I don't think that some of the the, the arguments that are being made are wrong from Ron DeSantis. But I don't always believe in like where he's coming from or like this, the, how he says things, his approach. But like he'll, t- my buddy will talk to me about it, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, and I'll be there to listen to him because he's my buddy, right? Yeah, you know. And if there's ever anything that we will check each other when we feel like you know, like I feel like that's a little bit, that's a little bit too much for me to go along with, or I feel like that's a little bit extreme. But it's always out of respect mm-hmm. because every every topic or every conversation, like if you sit down with somebody and talk to them, you should like you have like there, there's some kind of level of like you said mutual respect that you have to have to listen and hear them out and be like okay, I see what you're saying, you know, you've opened this conversation. I disagree respectfully. And this is why. And like, you know, and this is how I see it. Mm -hmm. And then like, but I see what you mean when you're talking about that. Because, and this is the thing is like, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, the media, like the media is like I said, is all about sensationalism, correct? And so pitting people with conservative values versus people with progressive values, even though there's so much more nuance than that. Okay, like I said, if you're like this kind of conservative, doesn't mean you're like that kind of conservative, mm-hmm. and like you're that type of progressive, doesn't mean you're that kind of progressive. Um, but they 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 profit off pitting us against each other because it creates more sensationalism. Like, can you believe what this person said? And like, take completely out of context, had nothing to do with what they're actually talking about. It's just to sensationalize so more people, you know, like I, I think you know, and like whether it's MSNBC, whether it's CNN, whether it's Fox News, all of them are profiting on like. Like sensationalizing the the like you know things from the people they like I said to their base about people that they know that their base doesn't agree with. Correct. Right. If I you know I know like they like like they know that they're gonna make money off ad revenue for people mm-hmm. like more people that tune in because like you know like because this wacky politician I'm not even gonna like say names I'm not gonna say like a an actual media outlet because it doesn't matter it's like they're like this wacky politician from this side said this thing and they're like I can't believe that I've got to watch and see what they said you know like and be outraged about it and they profit off of that it makes it tough to watch I don't watch major media I cannot yeah. watch it because for one I don't I don't support that yeah I support I support small private media which means Somebody who's doing this from their house and mm-hmm. they're they're reading articles and they've read multiple articles, they'll give their sources mm-hmm. and then they talk about their opinion or there's some people that are there's no I don't believe there's no such thing as unbiased sources. I mm-hmm. don't believe that. It's always gonna fall one it's, way or the it's other. Gonna fall some are closer. Somewhere some are closer, but, but some are really bad. <laughs> yeah. Some are really like to the far left and far right. But mm-hmm. I like to see people's personal private media accounts because for one other people will hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. And it, when you hold someone accountable with a private media, you can 
you can hold them accountable by we're going to unsubscribe and you're going to make less money. Yeah. So that's their motivation to do the right thing. That's mm-hmm. their motivation to give the good news, great content, mm-hmm. which is why obviously here I'm not like super popular because I don't give out great. I'm not doing great content for so, there's something I'm missing on it. So I've still got to figure that out. Oh, we're doing great right now. We're doing we're, fantastic. We're, this, this is, is fantastic this is great content. content. <laughs> this is like two hours. We're two hours in on Some it. Some self flagellation. Yeah. Throw that in there. But like, um, but there's you always have to catch the eye. You always have to give out what's what their impression of what they would probably agree with you is. Yeah. So that's why I don't I don't enjoy watching major media, and it's almost mm. it's every single major media now. If you want now, what I've learned from friends that live outside of the country, um, if you want to watch what's truly going on in America, watch like Sky News or mm-hmm. watching like watch the news from other countries talking about it because they'll actually talk about what's going on. That's and that's something that we can like I said, I remember like being like watching like French news, mm-hmm. how much more like direct and to the point and the questions are and like you know like there's. There's not all that pomp and circumstance, and that you're like they're like this is journalism. It's yeah. not a it's not a dog and pony show. No, yeah. and that's very much what it is for us. Yeah. And um, or like the one of the things that like you know there's, there's a too lot much of politics and news, huh? There's too much politics and news. Yeah, because there's so much spin, spin, there spin, is. spin, 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 spin cycle, spin cycle, spin cycle. To where like there's some, at least some integrity, and this is like the way that. You know, like I'm all about like, you know, the free market and everything and the, you know, regular, you know, like obviously every free market has to have its regulations and everything. Um, and I'm not against like that or whatever, but like, it's almost to a point where you're like this, this has gotten away from journalism, you know, like, you know, you, there should be a free media, like free freedom of speech. Like that's the uh, most but important. Do you, do you think to interrupt you? I, yeah, go I, ahead. I, I don't good. mean to interrupt you. No, no, you're fine. But to interrupt <laughs> respectfully is, uh, do you think with journalism, that the time of quotas, like reaching quotas, like setting, not setting who's going to be the best journalist, but just you have to meet a certain quota of a certain type of a journalist. Mm. And also not having the people that are more aggressive and say, we're not doing that. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Do you think that falls into the issue bin of what, of why journalism is the way it is today? I, th- I mean, or at least has something to do with it. See, I think the way that like why journalism is the way it is today is that the people that are funding it have, I said, have uh, motives. Like you know, like there's. I could see that being a part of it. I could see that being a. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. It's not the it's not the whole thing, but I think a large problem is that you know when you when you're like I said your your motives towards releasing like this this piece are. Uh, you're motivated by like, so it's like the money you're like what you're getting your money from mm-hmm. same way that we we're talking about with like uh, studies and stuff. Yeah. If it's not like truly altruistic, you know, no, there's no such thing as a hundred percent altruistic. There's always some kind of, you know, there's always something in it for somebody. Right. Um, whether that's something that we would see as good or bad is, you know, kind of based on perspective and like, you know, your beliefs or morals or whatever. But the way I see it is that, you know, like there's a lot of money funneled in of like people that they, they want a certain type of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, narrative. Mm-hmm. They have a narrative in mind and, you know, they like, yeah, do this research, but come to this conclusion. Right. Or like mm-hmm. do this journalism, do this story, but come to this conclusion. Like they're, they're, they're like railroading. Yeah. things right or if you find something to be different than what their intentions were they'll just snuff just, it out they'll scrap it yeah yeah no 100 percent. and then that's like where i'm like you know 
it's almost like there needs to be some kind of regulation to like let media actually evolve and like the, the and like be untouched, right? Do you think it's regulation that should stop it or do you think just more freedom in it? Well, that's the thing is like it depends on what you were considering freedom, freedom to like get money from whoever they want to because that might create conflict of interest like a lot i don't agree with lobbying as much there there needs to be a type there needs to be some degree of lobbying as bad as it sounds but there needs um, to be a cap there needs to be a cap on it and there needs to be uh there there, there are laws and i don't think there's caps on it um no i think it was like the patriot act that changed no what was patriot not, act something different no patriot act is the one after yeah yeah, yeah it's not wrong one but there's Citizens United? Is that right? I'm not sure. I think it's Citizens United. Sounds like it. It was the lobbying one. We can go with that. Yeah. Man, we can go with Citizens Fact United. Fact check that. Somebody else do that. I was like, I knew it was like, <laughs> I knew like the two hot topic ones usually revolve around the Patriot Act and then Citizens the, United. The Patriot Act was with uh, the dude with the glasses. He was, um, he fled to Russia. Edward Snowden. Edward Snowden. Edward okay. Snowden is the one that was, he was working for one of the secret, one things. of the secret organizations that part of the government yeah. and found information that the U S government was using the Patriot act to spy, spy on people, on people. Right. And, Correct. Thank um, you. the Thank one you. thing that I agree with the, so it was during the Bush administration, mm-hmm. um, with, I believe William Barr, I think who was the attorney general at the time. And then yeah. I could be wrong on that. And then the, Next president was, and I will credit him on this, did an investigation on it and found out there was only, well, he hired, he had a team do an investigation on it Mm -hmm. and only found that it only had stopped one person who was making phone calls and he was doing some type of low level, they called it terrorism, but very low level Mm -hmm. stuff, like worth only a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. So the idea was to catch terrorists by spying on every single person's phone yeah. in America, mm-hmm. and it caught nobody. Mm-hmm. Is zero. It didn't stop a single thing. Yeah, they couldn't prove that it did. So that in itself is is a huge breach of your privacy. But mm-hmm. they sat and lied to you about it, which that's that's just what politicians do, regardless. Yeah. So that when he came out with that, because I remember like guys that I because it was a he's a whistleblower. He was a whistleblower. Yeah. And guys were like, he needs to be he needs to be you know uh, put in jail, court martial, blah blah blah. I'm like, well, what's this even about? Once I researched what it was about and mm. listened to him talk about it, I'm like, I agree with this dude. Like, they shouldn't do that. Yeah. And then someone's like, well, it's for the greater good. And I'm like, no, it's not for it's, the greater good. It's big brother point, stuff. Yeah. It's big. It's what point are you hurting and harming mm. others? Mm. Do you want to know too much? Because mm. if you know. If I know too much information about certain things, does it hurt me or help me? Yeah. It'll hurt me. Yeah. So it's, it's not better just to keep it quiet. But like if you're the government, you can't spy on your people. Yeah. And they're doing it right now, obviously. Like I got a story. You Hi, FBI. You want to hear it? Yeah. This is okay. This, I don't know if this is, this is just my subjective thought. Okay. Hit me with it. I did a podcast with a guy named Bob Wagner. Okay. I don't even know if I should. I should say. I could say his name. You can always bleep it out and post. Yeah, I could say his name, but I can't say what we talked about. Yeah, we spoke about a certain individual who was and being investigated, Mm -hmm. investigated by the U.S. government, Mm -hmm. and you could not say that individual's name on YouTube. Really? So he was going through a process for an interview for um, the Pentagon, Mm -hmm. and he said, "Hey." There is certain things that we can't talk about 
mm. while around mm. certain devices. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. We just won't talk about it. Well, we're sitting there talking about this, and he brings up this person, and he says the guy's name as we're recording and everything, and the power to my house goes out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The power to my house goes out. I'm like, well, that's weird. I get up. I'm looking around. And I'm waiting for things to turn back on because typically it's a power surge and it kicks right back on. Yeah. I look outside. Next door neighbor's got power. I look across the street. My neighbor's got power. Yeah. Only my house. I'm like, Makes the mind weird. wonder. You know? So I come back in. The power kicks back on. And he's like, that was weird. I'm like, were you serious about like not saying certain things? He's like, well, I did bring up such and such and this and this. And that person's being investigated. And I'm like, do you think? He goes, I'm not going to say anything. And then we just, we stat. And then we're like, well, we'll just have to redo the whole episode. So we scheduled another one and redid the entire thing. And we did not bring that up. And nothing happened. Yeah. Now, was the government listening to my house or to his phone? I think they're listening to his phone, but like, it's weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird that that happened. I've never had that happen. Never had it happen since. Mm-hmm. I even went out and bought a battery backup <clears throat> for all my stuff for it to be connected to, mm-hmm. and it was just weird. So I think yes, it still goes on. Yeah, I was like, is it coincidental or did it happen for a reason? That, yeah, I'm. There's a lot of things in life like that where you're like, man, it might make a believer out of me in that. You know, like yeah, it just it like was weird. It boggles the mind. Yeah, that is odd. It was really odd. But it is funny that, like, back to the Edward Snowden part, mm-hmm. is that, you know, like, even though we would consider ourselves of, like, different, like, political leanings, is, like, that's where we completely agree. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, I, I have a lot of friends that would probably consider themselves um, more aligned or, like, di- like, you know, more, like, they might be progressive or they might be Democrats, but they don't like Edward Snowden, right? Because <clears throat> they say what he did was wrong, you know, because it was for the greater good that they were doing this or whatever. I'm like, I completely disagree. I think that's a complete... Um, as like disregard for your freedom as mm-hmm. as an American you know, or, or like anybody like it's not right you know like you have you have certain rights to privacy right mm-hmm. and then they were definitely taking it and running away with it and so and then like I said Edward Snowden was the whistleblower that told everybody about it and then he had to like leave the US probably for fear of what might happen to him they were gonna they were gonna persecution court for it and yeah. put him in jail for the rest of his life yeah to where I'm like I, I'm glad he said that, you know, because like, I don't want to be spied up. I know, I know it's still going to happen to some degree. It's like yeah. being like, because this is the thing is like, we can argue about like, if you believe in big or small government or whatever, uh, but we live in one with a, like we live in a, like with big government mm-hmm. more or less. That's where we are. Whether you want to change that or not, that's up to you. Um, I think that it would be good to change the way that it works for sure. Downsizing probably wouldn't be a bad thing in certain ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so once again, great thing. we're not like I said, we're yeah. we're like I said, different political leanings, but we agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, we've had big government since since uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, mm-hmm. you know, from the since the 1930s. And so when people are like, you know, like we want, you know, like we like they advocated for like they we had small government anytime between then and there. No, it's like it has been full blown ever since then. And so. Yeah, I don't want the government spying on me to to like where they can just tap into everything. Like, mm-hmm. if they obviously if they can get a warrant to like to like because I've yeah, done something, has, yeah, that has to go through a court system, yeah. Then and, and the, the, judge the, the probable cause and everything, then by all means, I guess I I messed up somehow because I believe in our judicial system, mm-hmm. right? To a certain you know, like obviously, the, like anything, probably like some things could make it work better in, in my opinion, but 
I would like to overall believe that if somebody has a warrant for me, then I probably messed up <laughs> on some kind of thing. You know, well, that's taking responsibility for your actions, man. Are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, for hundred percent. Because if I want to be, like I said, a good citizen, even if I do mess up and somebody has some reason to come after me, you know, and like, then that's the process, right? Then, as much as I would think that I would want somebody that's maybe like a criminal to mm-hmm. have a due process pushed against them. If I'm a criminal, then yeah, me too. You know, like I'm not exempt from that, right? I just lead my life in a way that I don't think I'll ever fall into that kind of that kind of uh, pitfall. So to, we'll I'll ask this question, then we'll finish up because it's we're almost at three hours. Oh wow! Well, I'll have to cut out like 15 minutes because of the break we took or 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. But um, what? It is the beginning of the year. It is mm. January 10th. Oh man. What is your opinion on the New Year's resolution people coming into the gym? Okay. <laughs> Spite leaving the spicy content for the end. <laughs> um, I am 100% for people coming to the gym, bettering yourself. Do Because if, if that's what you're like, you said, like, I, this, yeah. this, I'm going to start something like a good habit. And so I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to try to get in shape. I'm going to try to lose weight or gonna, whatever your goal is in the gym. I'm 100% for it, right? Um, and us as people that are, you know, been going to the gym for years, you know, it's I'm coming up on a decade now, so yeah. starting to feel that too. But, you know, if these people come to you and ask questions and like, and if you are one of these like a, a gym, like a resolutioner that's mm-hmm. coming in, ask questions. Like most people at the gym will be more than happy to help you if you come with a sincere question like, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? You know, like obviously like don't interrupt them in the middle of a set. Like we could talk about, you know, gym etiquette. gym etiquette. I do want to talk like at some point I want to have another episode where we talk about gym etiquette. Oh, we can definitely do that. I get 10 commandments get together for that one. <laughs> um, but for sure, like be inquisitive, ask questions, just not mid set, whatever. Like, or like, you know, see somebody like that looks like they know what they're doing. I can be like, Hey, you know, I'm new here, but I'm trying to learn. I, I am I am sure that most, if not all, mm-hmm. like gym goers that consider them veterans of going to the gym will be more than happy to help you because it's more of like the lack of the desire to learn gym etiquette or like you know, how, you know, like to do things appro- like you know, more appropriately, whatever appropriately is to you, I guess. But we most gym veterans have the same ideas. Um, be inquisitive. Um, that's great. Um, but the thing is, is like I hate having to fight off all the people like you know like because like when you have to like when you kind of like especially if you go to a smaller gym like a hole in the wall gym mm-hmm. we don't we go to like a very it's a pretty big commercial gym pretty yeah. pretty big gym but like you even at a big gym if you go around the same time for a long enough time you get to know the, the people that are there mm-hmm. and it's really cool the gym's honestly an honest a cool place to meet people from all different walks of lives from all different experiences but you, like I said, you get to know these people. You know, might not know them by name, but you know them by look. And you're like, give them the nod, whatever. Like, you know, there's like some mutual respect because you see your, yourselves, you know, day in, day out, you know, like putting in the work. Um, but then, like I said, new people come in. And like I said, they obviously take equipment. They don't take equipment. They're paying for a membership, whatever. They are using equipment that's usually more available for the, the regulars. And so as a result, you have to, like I said, it takes more time to get something done. And it's just like it's a overpopulated. And it's like a lot of times they're doing things. You're like, why are they doing that on that? Or and if 
also just, I mean, this is for everybody, mm-hmm. but this is especially for like people, like I said, if you're a resolution or this will help you to make friends quicker at the gym, get off your phone. If you're on, like I said, on something, especially if it is like a high commodity kind of like a piece of equipment, yes. get off your phone, um, change your music, whatever. Cool. Like don't, like I said, don't take phone calls. Uh, preferably not unless it's super important, but then just like free up the machine you're using, <laughs> right? Don't just like to stay on it. Um, stay off your phone, be about what you're about, know your rest sets, like I said, and then like, you know, and even the coolest thing that you can do, and this goes for all gym people, um, is to go up to that person. If they look like they're eyeing your machine, be like, like, you know, oh, we're, we're, we're trying to use this. And, and if they're like, yeah, just be like, okay, tell them how many sets you got left. Like reach out to them and like, and then because like the, the first thing you start to do when you're like hyped up on pre-workout and like maybe you got to go to work and so you only have so much time as like you start not liking that person no. if they just if they're on your machine. But or be like, hey, do you want to work in? Kill them with kindness. Kill people with kindness in the it's gym. It's a brotherhood there at the gym. It, it said it's, it very much is. It's, it is a community. And so if you give a little bit, you'll get a little bit back and maybe more. And like they, they'll be more welcome, welcome to help you. And that's the people, like I said, if they've been doing it for a while, glean that information from them. Like absorb things like a sponge. I still, like I said, I'm over 10 years into like doing something in the gym. I've changed my, my, my goals many times. But I'm over 10 years in and like I still like learn something new more or less every time I set foot in the gym because I'm like I'm open to it. And even if I'm like, okay, that doesn't really align itself with my goals. I'm still like, but I got it in my back pocket now. And maybe I'll come across somebody that could use that information or like, oh, you showed me this, this lift or this way to do it, this way to like focus on it or how to, you know, like how to move. You like, you, you never, st- it's like lie, like gym, the gym's just life in a nutshell. It's just like, you never should stop le- learning no matter how much, you know, just keep, like I said, just keep being a sponge, keep absorbing everything. And I think as an, if you're a resolutioner, that'll help you out a lot because a lot of the veterans are going to be like, kind of, like I said, like grumpy that you're there. But in the end, if you stick with it and you stay around, then you will, you have, like I said, you're more than welcome to, like I said, you will be welcome to the community with open arms. Just beautifully said. Yeah. Beautifully said, man. We're, we're right around. We're getting close to the three-hour mark, dude. I really appreciate you taking this many hours out of your day just well, to sit and come and talk with me. Well, so I appreciate I really you appreciate having it. me here, and like I said, and having me to talk. And like I said, it's it's been a first-time experience for me, and I've had a great time. I'm glad I popped your cherry. All right. <laughs> All right, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Thing. Great to be here. And there you have it, folks. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did talking with Paul and learned as much as I did, and if not, even more. And I hope to have him on again to dive even deeper in a lot of the subjects that we talked about and even talk about some extra stuff, too, for the second episode. So I really hope that you have a wonderful day. If you did like what you saw and you want to see more of it, go ahead again, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on uh, Spotify or Apple, just go ahead and subscribe to the channel there. If you can on YouTube, hit that like and then leave a comment down at the bottom what you what you uh, what you really enjoyed about this episode. It helps me out and lets me know what you enjoy so I can try to keep uh, giving you what you want. Have a fantastic day.